We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Spurs Up Show, the best Gamecocks podcast on the internet. Today is Monday, November the 30th, 2020. On today's show, I break down Saturday's game, Gamecocks falling to the Georgia Bulldogs, 45 to 16. I'll give my takeaways from the game. Also, my biggest takeaway from Saturday, hand out some game balls and break down what was a rough night at Williams Bryce Stadium as the Gamecocks fall to two and seven. Also, basketball is back for South Carolina. A little bit of a basketball roundup here on a Monday. I break down the weekend that was for Frank Martin's squad. Gamecocks going one and one over the weekend with a loss to Liberty, win over Tulsa. I'll give my takeaways, what it all means for South Carolina as the Gamecocks now go into a long off week before taking on the Houston Cougars this weekend in a ranked matchup. Also, of course, we're talking the coaching search. The coaching search rages on. I'll tell you guys what I've heard. It sounds like the Gamecocks could be getting close to making the hire for the next head football coach. Also, news and notes to get into, your listener questions, voicemails. And we do have a fantastic interview. Former Gamecocks offensive lineman Terrence Campbell joins the show. Awesome interview with Terrence. Awesome guy. We had a fantastic conversation, guys. A packed show here on a Monday. So sit back, relax, enjoy. It's all brought to you by our friends over at Upstate Movers Group. Guys, Upstate Movers Group, superior moving service. They bring care and attention other companies can't offer because they're just too busy maintaining trucks and profiting off of them instead of focusing Focusing on service. Guys, service is what separates Upstate Movers Group from the competition. By the way, guys, they're not a trucking company. They are a moving services company and they're employee owned co op. Their movers are paid twice the industry average, and everyone on the crew is just as invested in the success of the project as you are. They have dedicated professional crew members and they offer black glove service. They offer end to end packing services, custom crating and packaging for special items, and cleaning services as well. They are founded by Greenville natives and University of South Carolina alumni, guys. So a Gamecock owns small business. They offer 20 years of project management and moving experience, and they can offer logistics and solutions that traditional moving companies simply do not have the skills for. Guys, whether you're in the upstate or across the state of South Carolina for all of your moving needs, be sure to check out my friends over at Upstate Movers Group. You can find them on social media at Upstate Movers Group. And if you want some more information, of course, go to their website, upstatemoversgroup.com. That is upstatemoversgroup.com. Like I said, guys, whether you're in the upstate, across the state of South Carolina, or in general, if you're hearing my voice and you have moving needs, guys, we all know the pain in the butt that moving can be. You lose things, you break things. You simply just don't want to do it. Let the guys over at Upstate Movers Group take care of you again you can find them on social media at upstate movers group and if you have any questions you want to get in touch with them go to their website that's upstatemoversgroup.com upstatemoversgroup.com 
Com. The show is also brought to you by our friends over at Southern Oaks Remodeling. Guys, locally and family-owned, over 15 years of experience. They specialize in roofing, windows, doors, siding, and additions, and they're serving the greater Columbia area. Guys, also, another Gamecock-owned small business. Guys, Gamecocks helping Gamecocks. We talk about it all the time on the Spurs Up show. Be sure to check them out. They're on social media as well, at Southern Oaks Remodeling. They have a website, of course, or you can give them a call if you've got any questions. 803-899-0284. That's 803-899-0284. Guys, like I said, we're the last day of November right now. We're in the holiday season. This is the perfect time. If you've got any home project, anything you've been putting off you want to take care of, give the folks of, of over at Southern Oaks Remodeling a call. Again, the service and the customer experience is really what separates Southern Oaks Remodeling from the competition, in my opinion. So, again, if you've got any projects, and they can do it all, roofing, windows, doors, siding, additions, whatever it is, if you're in the Columbia area, make sure you reach out to them. You can find them on social media, again, at Southern Oaks Remodeling. Check out their website and give them a call, 803-899-0284. That's 803-899-0284. Finally, guys, the show is brought to you by our friends over at MyBookie. Guys, between the NFL, college football, all the major sports and more, there's no shortage of games to watch. And with thousands of lines available on all your favorite sports and events, you can turn your game day into payday with my bookie. Now, if you're the type of person that likes to back the big favorites, right, consider putting a couple in a parlay for a much bigger payout. Not only do parlays make meaningless games exciting, but more importantly, they give you a chance to turn ordinary bets into a real moneymaker. And guys, of course, don't forget the underdogs. They have a ton of value. The thing about college football, the NFL, really sports in general, the underdogs, they're never really dogs, right? Every team truly has a chance to win, and you do as well. Game spreads, championship futures, and player prop bets. It's never too late to get on the action and start turning your sports knowledge into actual cash in your wallet. Guys, you can sign up today at mybookie.ag. And when you do, use the promo code GAMECOX. Again, that's promo code GAMECOX to claim a deposit match dollar for dollar all the way up to 1000 bucks. So, guys, again, you go to mybookie.ag, use that promo code. You put in $1,000, they're going to match that first deposit. Guys, it's a win-win. It's a no-brainer. It's a bonus designed to give you a little help and a head start in your winning season. Again, guys, that's promo code GAMECOX. Promo code GAMECOX for you to claim your bonus when you make your deposit. Stack UFC cards, college football, NFL, all the major sports and more. Sign up today to begin your winning season exclusively at MyBookie. Let's get it. I'm Chris Phillips, host the Spurs Up show, as always. Appreciate you guys tuning in. Boy, have we got a packed show here on a Monday. I mean, we're talking football game. We're talking basketball. We're talking coaching search. And, of course, we've got your listener questions, your voicemails, and a fantastic interview as well, guys. Appreciate you all tuning in here on this Monday. I hope you all had a fantastic Thanksgiving, first off. Had a fantastic Thanksgiving weekend. Watched a ton of football. Ate a ton of leftovers. I know I certainly did that. Actually had my... Thanksgiving leftovers on Saturday. I tell you what, as good as they are on Thanksgiving Day, man, that turkey, that ham, 
that sweet potato souffle, those green beans, ooh, that mac and cheese, that corn casserole. I tell you what, that hits even a couple of days after Thanksgiving. I'm sure you guys can test. I bet there's a lot of you taking your leftovers to work this week or whatever, eating, snacking on it this week, if you will. But, guys, truly do appreciate you tuning in again. I hope you all had a fantastic weekend. I, I know I certainly did. It was an awesome weekend. Got to play some golf, went to the game, got to go to the tailgates a little bit. Had an awesome weekend. Then Sunday, of course, a nice low-key Sunday watching some South Carolina basketball again, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you for taking the time to consume the content, share the content, show love to the content. I truly do appreciate it. Do want to also say as well, before we dive into the Georgia game specifically, um, <clears throat> for all, the, all of those on Saturday specifically that took time out of their day and um, you know said what's up, showed love to the content, I was able to talk to at the game, obviously a couple Gamecock fans. Um, truly do appreciate you guys. Appreciate you showing the love. And again, without you guys, the Spurs Up show would not be what it is. So to everybody that shows love ever really, thank you so much, was able to talk with and meet a bunch of great Gamecock fans, a bunch of great Gamecock faithful, and it was really, really awesome stuff, man. That That is what I miss most. I know I said this last week, I think, as well, because the same type of thing happened, but that is certainly what I miss most about getting in the stadium and going to live events is the ability to interact with Gamecock fans and interact with people who support the business and support the content and um, yeah, you guys are the best, man. So I, I, I truly, truly do appreciate it. Obviously, hey, the last day of November, the last day of November, um, want to say thank you to you guys yet again. I will release the official numbers tomorrow, but uh, it's been another record-setting month in the month of November. We've shattered our record for website views this month. The podcast views are going to be right at the record, if not breaking that record as well. Um, a lot of great things happen in November, surpassing 1,000 subscribers on YouTube. I truly, genuinely do appreciate you guys. And again, it's, it's just so much fun. And I hope you guys take joy in it as well, and I think you do, but it's so much fun to watch this business grow and watch it evolve. And it's just, it's just been a blast. And obviously, it's... it's you know, I, I feel blessed and fortunate to be able to do what we do and be able to bring the content, you know, provide the content to you guys that we do. But uh, no, thank you guys so much for the love support. Again, without you guys, none of this would be possible. So thank you so much. And to those who reached out, said what's up with the game, you guys are awesome. The best fans in the world. Thank you so much. With that being said, let's talk about the game that happened on Saturday night because, of course, we got to start on the gridiron at williams Bryce Stadium Saturday night. Gamecocks falling to the Georgia Bulldogs 45-16 to and a really – Really tough night at the yard for South Carolina. And I, this 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 breakdown, if you will, of this game is probably going to be one of the more brief breakdowns. Number one, because we have so much to get into in today's show. But number two, because you could see this coming from a mile, right? Um, you know, I put up my halftime and post-game videos for every single game during the season, right? And I actually had, had somebody comment on my Instagram, on my Instagram, comment on the post-game video. Basically saying, you know, I, I, you know, I, I hate that you're not more upset. I feel like you're so accepting of this defeat. Why are you not upset? Why are you not pissed off? And again, of course, I'm paraphrasing. It basically was wondering why was I so calm, and which is kind of funny because, you know, you guys have seen me this season, last season, ever since I started doing the halftime and post game updates. You guys have seen me show a lot of emotion. I, I mean, I just think back to the Texas A&M game this year. I mean, you guys have seen me show. A ton of emotion. You guys have seen me explode. I mean, you know, I, I wear my heart on my sleeve for sure, and I wear my emotions on my sleeve as well. So you guys have certainly seen that come out. So to read that was kind of funny. But the reason for it, listen, I – and I was talking to somebody about this before the game, actually, a guy that plays college football at VMI um, and talked about just, like, the mind of a competitor, right? And I was asking him about, you know, 
they were supposed to play Clemson this year. Obviously, everything got thrown out of whack with COVID. And now they're playing a spring season, whatever. But I was talking to him about this, and I said, you know, I'm just curious to get your take on it. Because, again, you're a college football player, and I, I'm looking at it from the side I'm at now. Where we analyze it, and we give predictions, and we give best bets, and we break things down like key matchups and all that good stuff. But I asked him, you know, Clemson was supposed to be on their schedule. And when I, when I asked him, I said, you know, when you're playing a team like that, I mean, do you go into the game – thinking to yourself, wow, it's going to be really tough for us to compete in, in, any, in any way, shape, or form. We know who Clemson is. They're number one team in the country, the best team, whatever. It's going to be tough for us to even compete in this game. And he said no. And I understood where he was coming from when he gave me the answer because he answered the way I thought he would. But I was just curious to get his take. But he said no because as a competitor, you believe you're going to win every single game you play. You don't ever go into a game assuming a loss, right? If you do, you might as well not even show up. Now, he said as the game goes and you start to get blown out, you say, okay, they're a lot better than us. But you never go into a game and approach it as, you know, we're, we're defeated. We're done. And so for me personally, as, a, as someone who is extremely competitive, as a competitor, if you will, in my mindset, I don't attend a South Carolina game or watch a South Carolina game thinking with 110% certainty our team's going to lose. Because if I thought that there's no point in watching the game, right? But going into a game like this, and again, getting back to the point of the reason that I wasn't so upset. I mean, guys, you just knew South Carolina was not playing with a full deck on Saturday. I mean, Saturday, the injury list, I can't believe South Carolina had enough guys to field a full roster. Like, I, I can't believe we had enough to play. I doubt we did. I think the Gamecocks probably just said, screw it, and just played. But looking at the two rosters, looking at who South Carolina is without, you know, you, you find out before the game, you're without Deshaun Fenwick. You're without J.J. Nigbare. You know, you're without all the guys that opted out already. I think you have, like, only two of your starters or three of your starters from week one against Tennessee that were on the field on defense. And then offensively, you're starting a true freshman quarterback. Shai Smith is out. I, I mean, you just knew – going into that football game, you weren't playing with a full deck, you know? You were kind of behind the eight ball, if you will. And so if I came off as I didn't care, I, I do apologize for that, or I'm sorry that you took it that way. But guys, at this point, and I hate to say it this way, I really, really do. Because obviously I'm very intrigued for this upcoming weekend, not to get too far ahead of myself. I'm intrigued for this upcoming weekend if South Carolina can salvage a win in their final game at Kentucky. But the season feels like a bit of a wash at this point. Like the bigger storyline for South Carolina football right now is not whether it can beat Georgia or it could beat Kentucky. The bigger storyline is the coaching search. Okay, that's, that's what we really all care about. And again, I will say this first thing, first things first. You lose 45 to 16. You open up the game going down 21 to nothing. Again, you were outmanned. I, there's just no other way to put it. You were completely outmanned. And there's not a whole lot you can do about that. Two different types of athlete on the field, bottom line. But I will say, for a team that went down 21 to nothing in the first quarter, I thought the guys showed a lot of fights. So I, I want to tip my cap because there's every reason to quit right now. For these guys that are on South Carolina's roster, especially in this year with COVID and the opt-out option and the transfer portal, every guy has an excuse. Every guy has they, – they, all of them could sit out, plenty of them. 
So to the guys that have stuck it out and are willing to fight and battle and did so last week, excuse me, in the Missouri game and did so against Georgia and that will do so in Lexington against Kentucky to close this thing out the right way, I want to say thank you. And I think collectively from Gamecock Nation, we tip our cap to those guys who are willing to lay it on the line for South Carolina. Because again, they could have quit. They could have quit before this game even started. But you get down 21 to nothing, you fight back, you battle, make it 21 to 10. And again, Georgia, just two different types of athletes. You were you were outmanned. You were overmatched. You know, you go into halftime 28 to 10. Can't really get anything going. And again, you were just overmatched. So again, for me going in this game, you know, you always go into the game as a fan with it with a slight glimmer of hope, if you will. But I knew realistically going in this one, you know, I I said it last week, I didn't have that sense of optimism that I had, right? I didn't have that sense of optimism this year that I had going in the game last year. And the game, like I said, sort of went exactly how I thought it would go. And I want to stick offensively specifically because, listen, the Gamecocks defense, it's really tough to evaluate defensively what you did because you're literally without everybody. Your top two defensive backs opted out. You lose J.J. Inigbari in pregame. You've already lost Aaron Sterling and Brad Johnson. Ernest Jones goes out in the middle of the game. Jalen Dickerson goes out in the middle of the game. I mean, you're, you're playing with, you know, all due respect to those guys on the field. You're playing with all, like, second and third stringers. You're basically playing with the scout team at that point. So it's really hard to sit here and, and, and bitch and moan and be super critical of the defense. Because, I mean, what, what can you ask of them? You know what I mean? And, heck, I met up with my Georgia – so I've got a buddy of mine, actually. The first time I'd seen him in a while. I met up with him at halftime. He works for Georgia football. Now, I'm not going to say his name or really what he does even, but he works for Georgia football, literally. He's at every practice, every game, obviously. Works for the dogs. And I just met up with him. And I told him, yeah, man, we're, we're just, you know, we're, we're, we're outmanned. We're, we're out, you know, overmatched, whatever. And his response was, you're outmanned more than you even realize, bro. Like, the, the fact that South Carolina's fighting like they are and keeping it even this close of a game is impressive. So, that tells you the whole story right there. And, and again, I, I, I don't have to tell you guys. You guys all saw on the field. You all saw South Carolina was just outmanned on Saturday night. So, again, defensively, I'm not going to get all over those guys. They fought. They scratched. They called. They did all they could. They really just did all they could. I want to focus more offensively because if you're looking for positives, I think that is where the positives came from. You know, Luke Doty going 18 for 22, 190 yards, a touchdown, a pick. His first career start as a Gamecock and his first career start ever at the collegiate level. And as you guys saw, you know, I know the official quote-unquote breaking news came out on Saturday morning or Friday or whenever it was, but I had pretty good intel all week long from guys who are in the building for South Carolina that work for South Carolina that Luke was going to be the starting quarterback. I mean, heck, I listed Luke Doty as one of my key matchups for Saturday's game. But, you know, you take a look at the young true freshman, and, you know, I talked about the opportunity presented to him And I know we were all worried for Luke Doty because your first start coming against the Georgia Bulldogs and that, you know, that group of guys, that defense, as good as they are. But Luke Doty didn't see it that way, right? Luke Doty didn't see it that way. The opportunity, this is something you dream about. This is something he probably dreamed about when he was at Myrtle Beach High School. I thought overall Luke Doty played a fine game. And I'm excited for the future of Luke Doty. 
Now, a lot can change in college football. A ton. Okay? A ton. Does just because he had a decent game Saturday night mean next season he's going to be the starter? No. Heck, we've seen it this year with the whole Ryan Holinsky saga. Just because you're having a good year this year doesn't really mean anything, especially with a new head coach coming in. You never know what can happen. But I'm excited for Luke Doty's future at South Carolina. Again, 18 for 22, 190 yards. Yes, he had the bad interception, but had his first career passing touchdown at the end of that ball game to Nick Muse with his first career touchdown as a Gamecock, who had a fantastic game, by the way. Eight catches for 131 yards. Unreal game from Nick Muse. But Luke Doty, I, I thought, again, he's just a guy. He's extremely raw right now, in my opinion. He's very raw. And that comes just from lack of experience. Heck, hadn't even been practicing at the quarterback position all year long. Which, again, is still baffling to think this roster has been mismanaged that badly to that point where Luke Doty was working out at wide receiver. Just blows my mind. But Luke Doty is a guy, again, while he's not perfect right now, extremely raw, he makes you sit up in your chair. He still makes plays. Because, listen, I don't think, I think whether, if it wasn't Luke Doty, whether it was Colin Hill or Ryan Linsky, I'm not sure South Carolina would have scored a point. I, I'm not even joking. I'm not sure South Carolina would have even scored a point on Saturday night. Luke Doty is the guy that on offense just gives them a chance. And I'll tell you guys this as well, by the way. Here's a little fun tidbit. Again, my buddy that works at the University of Georgia, he's been there like five, six years. He knows Mike Bobo. Knows him very well. And so he's got a buddy that talked to Bobo. And you know what he said, guys? He said that Bobo told him he's wanted Luke Doty since week two. Week two. He's known Luke Doty was the guy. But the only reason they didn't play him, he wasn't ready. Which I can respect. You don't want to throw a guy out there too early and hurt his confidence. And, you know, once you... Once a guy loses his confidence, you don't know if you'll get it back. So I totally understand not wanting to throw him out there too early. I get it. But I think overall, you watch Luke Doty's game, and, and there are positives. That There are things you, you can see glimmers of hope in the way that Luke plays the football game. As far as the running side of things, again, I tip my cap to Kevin Harris, the way he has ran the football. That dude runs with tenacity, with anger. Now just, I believe, 70... 70-plus yards, about 75 yards away from hitting a 1,000. Fingers crossed in this Kentucky game, he's going to hit it. I think he will. But a great game from Kevin Harris. And it has to excite you, by the way, when you think about this South Carolina backfield. And that's going to be my biggest takeaway from the game Saturday. Because, again, in a game where you knew you were overmatched, you knew you were outmanned, and you knew the challenge that awaited. Even the, the most optimistic Gamecock fan understood the challenge that was taking on the Georgia Bulldogs. My biggest takeaway from this Saturday, from this game against Georgia, is that the USC backfield should be dynamic next season. Because you see what Kevin Harris has given you all season long. I mean, that guy, I'm very hesitant to compare him to a Marcus Lattimore. But, guys, Kevin Harris has 14 rushing touchdowns this season, which I believe is third most in a season for a Gamecocks running back. You know who the leader is? Marcus Lattimore, who had 17. And that was in a 12, I believe, a 12-game season, if not more games. 
So Kevin Harris is holding his own with some of the best to ever do it at South Carolina. Then you factor in Luke Doty, his speed, his athleticism, a true dual threat quarterback. And then Marshawn Lloyd. Marshawn Lloyd, who's going to be coming back from injury. And oh, by the way, was a five-star running back prospect. The best running back prospect South Carolina had signed since Marcus Lattimore. So I think there are positives you can take away. And listen, for the next head coach, there are problems all over this football team right now as far as the wide receiver position, as far as what you're going to lose on the offensive line, as far as, you know, I, I think the defense might be okay when fully healthy. But what you're working with right now, again, it's hard to break down South Carolina's defensive performance from Saturday because, I mean, you're just not playing with a full deck, man. Like, how can you really break it down? And again, you were just overmatched and you were just outmanned on Saturday night. But again, my biggest takeaway, the USC backfield should be dynamic next season. I mean, South Carolina has got a really, really good base to start with for when the next head coach comes in and you're just taking a look, okay, what are our knowns offensively? Where your knowns are this. You've got a hell of an athlete, and I think a leader too, by the way, under center. You know, I, again, I sat very close to the field again Saturday night, and I saw things from Luke Doty. And I, I saw some people making light of it on Twitter, and that's totally fine. But I saw South Carolina down really, really big late in the game, okay? And I see Luke Doty walking up the sidelines clapping and cheering on his teammates and fist bumping guys and saying, hey, let's go, let's go, let's go. That's a small thing that makes a big difference. And that shows to me Luke Doty is a leader. He has those intangibles. And we've already heard from Mike Bobo. He's a guy's teammates love him. You know, he loves the University of South Carolina. He loves the game of football. Again, I'm, I'm not saying because of that one instance that, you know, he's, he's 100% going to be the starter next year. You never know what can happen. But I think South Carolina's got a guy in Luke Doty that, again, for his athletic talents and abilities, and he's extremely quick, and I, I think he throws a nice ball. I mean, again, 18 for 22, guys. He had a pretty decent night throwing the football. And I tell you what, he must throw a fairly catchable ball as well because didn't see many drops on Saturday. Certainly not as many as we saw early in the season. I take it for what it's worth. I don't know. But I'm excited about the future of Luke Doty, the, dy the dynamic nature that he brings to the offense. And then, of course, Kevin Harris and Marshawn Lloyd. What a one-two punch. No matter who the number one back is, what a one-two punch. So there's at least something positive to start with if you're the next head coach and what you can do offensively. So let's hand out some game balls, by the way. TSUS game balls, and they're presented to you by our friends over at Yardware. Guys, Yardware is a veteran-owned and operating company licensed by the University of South Carolina selling must-have Carolina yard and wall signs. Guys, these signs are made out of 12-gauge laser-cut steel, and they come in both garnet and black. Football season's in full swing. Christmas is literally right around the corner, guys, in a couple of weeks. This is a must-have for any Gamecock fan. By the way, Lindsay Hagler, congrats to you. She won our Yardware sign giveaway. And I'm planning on, guys, you know, I was thinking about it. I was like, you know what? We need to give some more of these signs away. These things are absolutely awesome. As many Gamecock fans as we can get these in their hands, we, we got to get it to them. We, we got to find a way to get these out to the masses of Gamecock fans. So expect to see, I would say, at least one or two more giveaways with the Yardware signs. But, guys, it's a must-have for any Gamecock fan. I have mine in my studio. Obviously, you guys see it all the time. The quality, the detail is really what stands out with these things. I mean, it's truly incredible. And whoever it is, whatever Gamecock fan in your life, 
You can put it anywhere, your yard, your studio, your office, your, your man cave, garage, living room, dining room. It's a fantastic piece and a must-have for any Gamecock fan. You can order yours today, yardwaresigns.com. Also, check them out on social media, at yardwaresigns. And of course, guys, like I said, stay tuned for more giveaways because I'm planning on doing another giveaway with the Yardware Signs, the guys over at Yardware, which, by the way, are Gamecock alumni. So again, another Gamecock on a small business. Gamecock's helping Gamecocks, guys. It's a no-brainer, a must-have. This is the perfect Christmas gift for that Gamecock fan in your life, guys. Check them out. That's Yardware Signs. Again, they're on social media at Yardware Signs. And order your sign today at YardwareSigns.com. That is YardwareSigns.com. All right, let's hand out some game balls, guys. TSUS game balls. We'll start offensively. And a guy that has had a really interesting up-and-down South Carolina career to this point. And I, and I, was, I know someone that fans sort of had a bone to pick with a few weeks ago when he had some comments about the fan base and, and the couch coaches and the fat dads and the Karens and whatever. But a guy that, you know what, after all that, had his drop issues early in the season. A fantastic game from Gamecocks tight end Nick Muse on Saturday night. Nick Muse, going back to the stats here. Eight catches, 131 yards. He averaged 16.4 yards per catch and a touchdown for South Carolina. His first career touchdown as a Gamecock, by the way. He gets our game ball, the TSUS game ball for offense. Again, congratulations, Nick Muse. What a night for him. I mean, seriously, Luke Doty's favorite target was there every single time Luke looked his way and caught every ball, which I know is a huge improvement. No, seriously, Nick, congratulations, my friend. You get the game ball for offense. For defense, it's got to go to Jamie Robinson. Ten tackles for Jamie. Also had a fantastic interception. Um, again, not a lot of positives to pull defensively, just being totally honest. But Jamie was a guy flying all over the field. Again, double-digit tackles. And again, the, the interception he had. Incredible play. I mean, incredible concentration, incredible play. I think Jamie, a guy that has quietly had a really, really good season for South Carolina and really proud of him for staying in the lineup, for battling week after week. Obviously, could I mean, all these guys could have opted out, could have made the decision to, I'm going to sit this one out, protect myself, and play next year. But Jamie, a guy who has continued to ball out week after week after week. So, again, TSUS game balls offensively going to go Nick Muse. Defensively going to go Jamie Robinson. So, guys, that's it for my Georgia recap. Again, South Carolina falling to 2-7, and seven, falling to the dogs 45-16 to 16 at Williams-Rice Stadium. And they will close out the 2020 season. Believe it or not, the season is damn near over, which is kind of sad. And I know some of us are kind of relieved at the same time. It is what it is. But the Gamecocks will close out their season this Saturday night. Another night game. Another night game, believe it or not in Lexington against the Kentucky Wildcats. So it should be a lot of fun, obviously, breaking down that game in its entirety all week long as we get closer and closer to kickoff on Saturday. With that being said, let's talk some hoops. South Carolina basketball. And what a weekend it was for Frank Martin's squad. Very interesting weekend. In case you got lost in the shuffle with football, the Gamecocks played in the Hall of Fame Classic in Kansas City, Missouri. Gamecocks went 1-1 one one over the weekend. A, we'll start with the positive. A nice win over Tulsa on Sunday, but it started on Saturday with a an embarrassing, I would say, loss to the Liberty Flames. And Liberty, a team that got added to the tournament late because Northwestern bailed on the tournament, I think because of COVID concerns or something like that. So the Gamecocks took them on instead. And it, it's a mixed bag, really. And the first thing I want to say is this, because, you know, after the game on Saturday night, we were all frustrated, right? Because we've seen this movie time and time again, and the ship still sinks every single time, right? 
We get our hopes up. We get excited for Gamecock basketball. There's this guy coming back. There's that guy coming back. There's all this talent. And you fall flat on your face in the non-conference. Again, I don't think it's that South Carolina lost to Liberty, even though you were an eight-point favorite and you felt like South Carolina should have won that game no matter what. It's not that you lost to Liberty. It's that you got embarrassed in doing so. And again, I want to tip my cap to both Liberty and Tulsa because I think both are very good basketball teams. Like, I think Liberty's probably going to be a tournament team. They're, they're very good, no doubt. It's, it's not like you lost to Stetson. It's not like you lost to Boston. They're not in that category, per se. But it was just, and I know you didn't have the exhibition against Coker. I totally get that. But to come out on the floor in your opening game and to, you, you were never in the ball game. I mean, South Carolina was never in that ball game. And I think that's what stung so badly with Gamecock fans. Defense was atrocious. Just nothing went your way on Saturday night. You bounced back, though. I will give credit to Frank Martin and his squad. You bounced back on Sunday for a really nice win over a tough Tulsa squad. And that one was very much back and forth. It was a one-point game at halftime. You had the lead. Gamecock's defense, I thought you saw a much more on-brand performance in regards to Frank Martin, his basketball teams, his style of basketball, a suffocating defense. Heck, I think South Carolina, what was it, held held Tulsa scoreless for like nine minutes, like nine of the final ten minutes or something like that. Crazy stats. And you're able to pull away and get a double-digit win over Tulsa. So a, a nice way to bounce back. You know, if you had told me before the weekend that South Carolina was going to split in the Hall of Fame Classic, I probably would have said, you know what, that sounds about right. But what I think was tough was, you know, again, watching that very first game, we're all coming into basketball season so fired up and, and so ready for it. You know, I'm thinking to myself, man, I can't wait to watch this team. They're going to be so good. And to get thoroughly just beaten, I mean, get your ass whipped by Liberty. That was tough to deal with. But again, kudos to the guys. You come back on Sunday, you get the win. Again, it's so early to get like bent out of shape about it, to be totally honest with you, because there's so many games remaining. But I'll be very curious to see what corrections are made this week for Frank Martin's squad because you got a big opportunity on Saturday playing at Houston, which is a top 20 team right now, probably going to be a top 15 team when South Carolina takes them on. So you got a big-time opportunity in the non-conference. You got a big-time opportunity. But obviously losing that opener puts a lot more pressure on all the other non-conference games. You can afford to let one slip, but you better not drop any more that you're supposed to win along the way. Because, again, I give all the credit to Liberty, but the fact of the matter is you were an eight-point favorite. I mean, you weren't supposed to lose that game. So, a mixed bag, if you will, for South Carolina to open the season. I, I thought Jermaine Kuznar did some nice things. A.J. Lawson, especially in that Sunday game. And, again, I know it sounds obvious, but this is going to be a South Carolina team that's going to live and die with its guard play. I don't think it's good enough to overcome a bad night from Lawson and Kuznard and Manaya. You're going to have to ride. The guards are the strength of your team. You're going to have to ride those guys. You need to, you, you got to be able to count on them. You got to be able to depend on them. They got to have more nights like they had on Sunday against Tulsa. But overall, an interesting weekend. It should, like I said, be interesting. What changes does Frank Martin make over the week as South kind of heads into a big matchup on Saturday night against the Houston Cougars? All right, let's talk a little bit about the South kind of coaching search. Because, boy, oh, boy, it seems like things are moving in motion. 
It started late last week with, and, and listen, let's not beat around the bush. It's Shane Beamer, right? That, that's where all the smoke is coming from, is the Shane Beamer camp. It started late last week when I got word from a buddy of mine that it was rumored that Shane Beamer was having Thanksgiving dinner with Ray Tanner and his family. I don't know if that's true or not. But we also got word that Ray Tanner had flown out to Oklahoma to presumably talk to Shane Beamer. Then we go throughout the weekend, and it's starting to sound like South Carolina has a deal lined up ready for Shane Beamer. Four years, $3 million per. And then we get word late on Sunday that this is an announcement and a decision that could come out this week, which I did not see coming. I thought it would at least follow the final game. I thought it would be next week, if anything. And it might still be. Who knows? But guys, all aboard the Shane train. Because it seems like that is picking up steam. No pun intended. And I know a lot of you feel some type of way. Obviously, we put out a piece last week, actually on Thanksgiving Day, of why Shane Beamer, why we thought he's the best choice. And really, that was one of my contributors. I'm still of the camp, guys, at this. If South Carolina wants to go with Shane Beamer, great. All aboard. I'm all about it. If they feel like Billy Napier is the best option, I'm, I'm, all, I'm all for it. Even Hugh Freeze, even Jamie Chadwell, I'll be behind him. Because, again, I come back to this. No matter who you hire, it's going to be a risk. Bottom line, it's going to be a risk. There's no surefire guy out there. And I've seen the comments from, from different people. Oh, well, you don't pay a coach $15 million to leave if you're going to hire a guy who doesn't have any coaching experience, blah, blah, blah. Bullshit. If you feel like he's the guy, then he's the guy. Will Muschamp was a proven commodity. He was a loser. You were going nowhere with him. You want to see what Will Muschamp, what the effect he had on your program? You're a two-touchdown underdog at Kentucky this weekend. That's the Will Muschamp effect for you. So, I, you know, I'm going to be game really with whoever South kind of hires. But we continue to see the endorsements for Shane Beamer come out from former South Carolina football players, from, from the all-time greats really to ever play at South Carolina. And I told somebody this on Saturday. I was talking to him about this coaching search and all. And I'll say it here as well. I'm not saying South Carolina should do whatever its all-time greats say it should do all the time. Like, just because Marcus Lattimore says it doesn't mean you should just do it aimlessly, right? You shouldn't do probably everything Marcus Lattimore or DJ Swearinger or, um, you know, Devontae Holloman or Melvin Ingram or whoever or Pat DeMarco tells you to do. But, man, when you look at this coaching search and you're getting those endorsements from those guys, those all-time legends, those all-time greats. You know, we talked about, it to, talked about it to John Strickland last week, the importance of the culture fit and changing the culture and all those things that matter in this coaching search. I'll be honest with you guys. Unless you've got a candidate in mind, unless you interview a guy or what, and you say, man, he is just that much better of a candidate than Shane Beamer. I mean, he just no doubt, no brainer, kills the interview, and, and you feel like after talking with him, this is going to be the dude to get us back to where we want to be. Unless you have that guy in mind, or unless you interview that guy, 
it almost would feel like if you don't hire Shane Beamer, you're spitting in the face of your all-time greats who are endorsing the guy. Again, I'm not saying they should just do it just because Marcus Lattimore said it or just because DJ Swearinger said it. That's not what I'm saying. Again, if they sit there behind closed doors and talk to a guy like Billy Napier and they feel like he's the dude, by all means, I'm game. Let's go Billy Napier. Let's go win an SEC title. I'm 100% on board with that. But unless he's that much better of a candidate, which I don't think he really is, to be totally honest with you, I mean, what has he done that Shane Beamer hasn't? Gotten fired by Dabo Sweeney and coached at Louisiana. There's nothing that says Billy Napier is going to take the keys to an SEC program and have any success. Not really much more than Shane Beamer. I mean, let's just let's just be totally honest. Because again, it's so funny. I see the people on social media. The funniest part about this coaching search thing is everybody has an opinion on it, which makes it great, by the way. I mean, I, I'm not trying to say that people shouldn't have an opinion on it, but everybody's got an opinion on it, but nobody knows what's gonna happen. Hey, you know who else had head coaching experience? Will Muschamp. Who gives a damn? What does it matter? It's going to be a risk and a roll of the dice no matter what. And if you're going to roll the dice, why not roll it with the guy who's cut his teeth at your school? He has seen your school at its best. He knows what that looks like. He knows what South Carolina football at its peak looks like. Could it not work out? Sure. Hey, we might be here in five years. We might be in the same exact spot again in five years. But, bro, that's anybody South kind of could hire. If they don't win, you're going to make a change. Coaches don't get 10 years in college football anymore. Bottom line, it could not work out. But it's sounding more and more like Shane Beamer is probably going to be the guy. And I'll tell you, if you're one of those people that is just so totally opposed to the hire, and it makes you sick to your stomach and keeps you up at night to think that South Carolina might hire him, buckle up. That's all I got to tell you. Buckle up. Because, you know, again, if I had to put money on it right now, I would probably say Shane Beamer is going to be the guy. I mean, you, you, don't, you don't start getting into the whole talking of contracts and, and financial numbers unless there's some real – serious steam behind the momentum and behind the rumors, if you will, excuse me, behind the rumors. So I think most likely, guys, and it might come this week, I think Shane Beamer's going to be your next head football coach. We'll see. Again, it's going to be a lot of fun to keep up with, but it feels like all signs point to Shane Beamer right now. So, again, We'll see. And again, for everything I've heard as well, I think it is going to be Shane Beamer. It sounds like, again, when you start hearing rumors of financials come out, that's kind of the telltale sign. Like, okay, this this thing is really happening. So we'll see what happens, though. Um, really quickly, guys, news and notes. And I already mentioned South Carolina, the line coming out. Gamecocks plus 13 at Kentucky, which I'll be honest with you, blew my mind. I, I, I mean, listen, I know South Carolina's got a, a ton of issues. Heck, who knows who's going to play defense? They've got a ton of issues. But Kentucky has been a train wreck this season. Cannot believe the Gamecocks are a two-touchdown underdog. 
Also, that game going to kick off at 7.30, which, guys, I know. I mean, it's, it's insane that in years where we've been really good, we get nothing but noon games. But in a year where we're terrible and we can't even go to the games, we're getting nothing but night games, and Carolina hadn't won a night game all season long. I mean, it's it's wild. I, I don't know. I don't know what in the world it is. Another 7.30 game, whatever. Uh, I guess it makes scheduling easy easy for years truly. We, we don't have to change up the routine very much, but uh, no, just just wild. <laughs> just wild. Only, really only way to put it. So um, that's it for News Notes, guys. Let's go ahead and dive into your listener questions and voicemails. Got a bunch to get into. We'll go ahead and kick it off. Hey, what's up? I think uh, we're going to get worse before we get better because – we don't have any receivers. Our defensive line is undersized, and our line isn't very good. If we lose to Darius Hutchinson and maybe Dylan Warnham, uh, and as far as quarterback go, we know Hill and Alinsky will probably leave if Doty's going to be the presumed starter. It leaves us with Luke Doty and another freshman quarterback. Uh, so I don't see – I think we're going to get better. I think we could hire Urban Meyer, Jesus Christ, Steve Spurrier, Steve Spurrier Jr., or anyone. I think our program is in a bad place because just because we have Kevin Harris and Marshawn Lloyd, you can't win football games in the SEC with being one-dimensional and run the ball. Uh, thanks for listening. Appreciate you all. All right, man. Appreciate the voicemail. Some really interesting points you brought up, and I, I want to address this really quickly. What he's saying, it's going to get worse before it gets better. Respectfully, I actually disagree with you. I think you're going to realize with the next head coach, I think you're going to realize how poorly this roster was managed, and you're going to see how bad player development was. Because, again, look at the guys on the roster. And I'm not saying South Carolina's going to win 10 games next year by any stretch. But I think, it, and I said this Saturday night on Twitter, on social media, I think at minimum you have enough talent on the roster, you get the right coach in there, you got enough talent to make a bowl game next season. There's, there's no question, which would be a huge upgrade from the last two years. I think without a doubt, you should never be okay with missing a bowl game at South Carolina, in my opinion. Go look at the roster, bro. Go, go look at the roster. Go look at, go, go name by name and look at, again, everybody makes such a big deal recruiting, right? I mean, it is a big deal. It's a lifeblood of college football. Go look at the names and the star ratings and all that. There's talented players on the roster. So I don't fully agree with you that it will get worse before it gets better. Because again, I think you're going to see with the next head coach. I, I've said this before too. I'd love to be a fly on the wall, man, when the next head coach gets here and he takes a look at the roster and he takes a look at where Will Muschamp was playing him and how he was using him and goes, what in the hell was this guy thinking? What the hell? So, I'd love to see that, honestly, because I just, I think you're going to, you're going to be shocked. I think you're going to be amazed. But again, I look at the roster right now, even. I think with the right coach, there's enough talent in this roster to make a bowl game. And I know recruiting is going to suffer massively, I mean, heck, I think you're ranked like 91st right now. I mean, we had tons of decommitments last week. Um, 
you know, you're ranked nearly 100th. You're last in the SEC. You've lost some of your best commits, which sucks, obviously. But it's the nature of the business. You had to make a move. The transfer portal, I think, will be a big thing for South Carolina. But I, I think there's enough talent on this Gamecocks roster to make a bowl game next season with a first-year head coach. And I don't think the expectations should ever fall below that. I, I'm sorry. I just, I just do not believe they should ever fall below that. So, respectfully disagree with you. Hey, you might be right. Never know. But I think there's enough there for South Carolina to make a bowl game next season, even with a first-year head coach. So, appreciate the voicemail, though. Hey, quick, Chris, want to get a quick, quick reaction to the game. You know, it, it was tough. You know, the guys are undermanned, outmatched. It, it was blatantly obvious, but hats off to the guys. They played their ass off tonight. And, you know, shout out to Kate Harris. The man's still a beast. I know he didn't get his yardage tonight, but, man, he is, he's so much fun to watch. Luke Doty, you know, he made the mistake on the pick. It, it, it's a freshman mistake, but – I thought he looked good. I mean, the offensive line gave him no time, just zero time to make a decision to move. Hats off to Nick Muse. Very quietly had a really good game. And shout out to both of them for getting their first touchdowns at Gamecocks. I look forward to many more from Doty in the future. Switch over to men's basketball. Man. <laughs> you know, people are going to say it's the first game. Liberty's a good team. And, yeah, that's fair. You know, Liberty is a decent team. They are a good team. They won 30 games last year. But this it's the way you lose. It's, it's the fact that you felt like South Carolina was never in the game. We were down by 20 at one point. We cut it to 15 a couple of times, but never really threatened in the second half. Matter of fact, never really threatened at the end of the first half either. And, and that, to me, bothers me. I, I, they'll be better. They'll put it together. I, I know they'll be better, but, man, that is just not a good start, not a good look. Hopefully they bounce back tomorrow. But also, I want to give a shout-out to you, man. Always keeping it real. Love your content. Love your show. Like, you, I have to always respect you for sticking to your guns. You, you don't sugarcoat anything. That's why I love your content. Anyway, hope you had a good holidays, man. We'll talk to you later. Tim, appreciate the voice, man. Always a pleasure. Always great to hear from you. Always fun to have you call in. Great banter, as always. Um, yeah, so the football side of things first, you know, I, that's one thing I didn't mention earlier too, man. Luke Doty was running for his freaking life all night. I don't know what happened to the South Carolina offensive line. Again, tip the cap to Georgia. I mean, they, they've got five stars all over the place. And I mean, on both sides of the line of scrimmage, and that's kind of where I knew, especially coming on the defensive, defensive side, it was going to be a long night for you because I mean, you, you look at the hog mollies Georgia's got on that offensive line. Woo, I mean, they're going to push around defensive lines that are, no offense, much better than the one you feature. Um, but, no, listen, I thought Luke Doty, I mean, you get your first career start against the Georgia Bulldogs and one of the best defenses in the entire country. I, I thought he played well. Uh, he, he's going to have his growing pains. He, he's going to make his freshman mistakes. But, but you can see the promise. You can see the promise there with Luke Doty. And I'm not sitting here saying he's going to be Connor Shaw or, or he's going to take South Carolina to the promised land, but – I think he's a really good option for the Gamecocks, and he has that type of potential where if you can get good players around him, I think you could have a really, really fun offense. Um, you mentioned Kevin Harris. The dude's an absolute freak. Um, Basketball-wise, you know, it's funny. So, Tim, you called in and left your voicemail Saturday night before the Tulsa game. I felt very similar to you after that Liberty game, um, and I cooled down a little bit. I did cool down a little bit after South kind of beat Tulsa, but uh, 
Yeah, I mean, it just it felt so par for the course, and it was so embarrassing that first game just to get thoroughly, just thoroughly beaten. I mean, just no bueno. But you do bounce back. You beat Tulsa. You know, I, I don't want to overreact too early because it's been literally two games. You know, hey, if you go out there and beat Houston on Saturday, all is forgiven, right? So you don't want to overreact too early, but this team, let me put it this way, this team is too good to look that bad. I, there's just no excuse. I mean, this team is way too talented and way too good to look that bad. So hopefully it was an anomaly and it woke this team up. That's all you can hope for. So, all right, we'll get into our final voicemail and then we'll get your listener questions and uh, wrap this thing up. Hey, man, so look, my question is, uh, I'm actually I'm actually an Ole Miss and a Florida Gator fan, but I'm flying to uh, South Carolina for graduate school. Um, and my question is, how do you all feel about hiring the offensive coordinator at Ole Miss right now? Um, the guy, you know, he was at UCF, uh, had a pretty good showing there, and also obviously at Ole Miss, like one of the most potent offenses in the country, and he's already got a recruiting base in the South, um, along with, you know, learning from Wayne Kiffin and pretty good coach up at Nebraska, too. Um, so that's my question. How do you feel about hiring the offensive coordinator at Ole Miss right now? All right, man. Appreciate the voicemail. Yeah, best of luck, obviously, with applying to grad school at USC, and I think that'd be – I think you'd have an awesome experience. Hopefully you get in. Um, yeah, I, I think that'd be an interesting hire. You know, obviously what Ole Miss has done offensively speaks for itself. I, I think the guy that would be the home run is Garrett Riley from SMU, the, the brother of Lincoln Riley. I think that's the one everybody's going to got their eye on. But uh, you got to get the head coach hired first, and, you know, whoever he brings in, I'll be down with. But obviously the main thing is this an aggressive, up-tempo, spread type of offense. You got the quarterback in Columbia to do it. Um, I think that's what you need to go with to be successful, and I think that's what South Carolina will go with. But, um, you know, it's kind of tough to say because, listen, I was talking to my buddy, and he knows Shane Beamer, my buddy that works for Georgia football. He knows Shane Beamer, right? He he was at Georgia with him. And, uh, you know, he's talked about he put together a list of 40 names that Shane Beamer could hire as his OC. So, I mean, dude, there's so many names you could throw around that are possibilities that it's really tough to say. But, uh, no, those are the big things. Up-tempo, spread offense. Whoever the next head coach brings in with them as OC in D.C., I'll fully support and ride with 110%. So, we'll see what happens. Um, all right, let's get in these listener questions really quickly. Uh, C. Bailey Burr, 12. Can't wait to clean house except for Shaw and Lattimore. Well, Lattimore is not on staff anymore, by the way. I don't know if you knew that, but uh, – no, yeah, I think Connor Shaw will most likely stay on staff. He better stay on staff. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that's probably what's going to happen, right, cleaning house. I mean, I know that Nick Muse said that, uh, you know, he, he'd come back if Bobby Bentley's back. If he's not, he probably won't come back. Tough to say, man. I, I don't know. I don't know if Coach Bentley will be back or not because, you know, I, I think that's going to be a decision up to the next head coach. And most likely, I think they're going to want to clean house, I mean, if I had to guess. So, TD Sim, Doty and Harris are the future of this team. I 110% agree. Uh, Jimmy.James.76, Kevin Harris is better than Najee Harris. Does more with less. Hey, I mean, leading the SEC in rushing. Says enough right there. So, um, T-Buddy4, Kevin Harris, the top five running back in the country, not just in the SEC. So much heart in that man. Yeah, I mean, the way that he ran the football, the way he's ran it all season, but that one play that really encapsulates his running style. You get stymied for what looks like a loss. You break out of that, you break the tackle, you fight, you turn your legs, and you get a gain and you get the first down. And, I mean, it just an incredible run. It was Marcus Lattimore-esque. So, kudos and tip of the cap to that young man, a phenomenal player. Um, 
Let's see. Will Dot Davidson, experience concerns for Beamer. How important is the staff he will bring for success? It's extremely important. You, you got to surround yourself with the right coordinators. And again, I, I understand for sure. I mean, I'm not going to knock any fans for being worried about Shane Beamer's lack of head coaching experience and the fact that he has none because, hey, that's a legitimate concern. But the guy has been under some legends. Lincoln Riley, his dad is, 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 is Frank Beamer, right? Steve Spurrier, Kirby Smart. I mean, the guy knows football. He knows good football. So, you know, I, I 110% agree it's going to come down to having big-time coordinators surround him and letting Shane Beamer be more in that CEO-type role and letting his coordinators work for him. So I think that's extremely important. And finally, last question, ECARS08, if Beamer is the guy, can he realistically turn this program around? My answer to you, sir, is I think 110% yes. I'm all aboard for the next guy that gets the job. And if it is Shane Beamer, all aboard the Shane train, ladies and gentlemen all aboard the Shane train. So guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you for the questions, the comments, the voicemails. And like I said, as always, man, showing the love, sharing the content, everybody that reaches out and DMs and and definitely, you know, uh, takes their time to conversate with me and show their love in person. It's been awesome talking to you guys, chatting to you guys. And again, thank you guys so much for making this what it is. Another successful week last week. It's been a great season, by the way, as we go into the final week of the season. Thank you guys so much for again 2020 has been a roller coaster ride for us all so the fact that we've even had football i know the season sucked right you know you fire your coach it hadn't been the season we all wanted but the fact we're all so lucky the fact we even have football and we get to talk and, and we get to you know watch the game cocks and, and take it all in we're blessed you know we truly are blessed when you have that perspective so guys but again thank you so much for the love support sharing the content consuming the content it means the world to me and uh I, you know i love chatting with each and every single one of you i know a ton of people dm me talk to a ton of people at the games and and get to shake hands and it, it, it's a blast it truly is so thank you guys so much now don't leave just yet we got a fantastic interview former gamecocks offensive lineman terrence campbell which terrence was there during some of the most interesting years for south gun and some of the best teams 2010 2011 he was there from 06 to 11 And Terrence, a fantastic dude, doing big things now on the West Coast as well, guys. So, again, appreciate you all tuning in. Thank you so much for the love, for the support. And enjoy this interview with former Gamecocks offensive lineman Terrence Campbell. All right, joining us in the Spurs Up show is a man that played for Gamecocks football from 2006 to 2011. During his career on the offensive line, he started 25 games for the Gamecocks, also spent some time in the NFL with the Redskins and Jets, but obviously with South Carolina was part of two of the best teams and two of the best offensive lines in school history in 2010 and 2011. Currently, he's also making a big impact on the West Coast for the San Jose Police Department. He is a police officer out there on the West Coast. Again, I'm very pleased to be joined by former Gamecocks offensive lineman Terrence Campbell. Terrence, I appreciate you taking the time, man. It's a pleasure to have you on the show. Thanks so much. Pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. Absolutely, Terrence. You know, I so love let's Gamecock Nation. Yeah, no, for sure. So I want to go back to the beginning for you because you're a guy. You went to South Cobb High School. You're from Austell, Georgia, and you find your way to South Carolina again. When you got to South Carolina, it was crazy, Terrence, because I totally forgot. Forgot. I mean, I remember you being a big key piece of the Gamecocks offensive line. Like I said, especially in ten and eleven. I think eleven. You basically started every single game that year. But you got to South Carolina way back in 2006. I, I didn't remember you getting there that quite that early. I know you redshirted yeah. that year and kind of, you know, you know, earned your stripes, if you will, those first couple of years. But you got to South Carolina an interesting time because Steve Spurrier 
had just taken a job at South Carolina in 2005. There was a lot of buzz around the program, a lot of momentum. And again, you're a Georgia guy. So how did South Carolina come into Georgia, pluck you out from the dogs, from Georgia Tech, from everybody else? What was the recruiting process like for you as a whole, Terrence? And then why did you choose South Carolina? Man, the recruiting process was a lot of fun. You know, um, Georgia recruited me, offered me a scholarship. Georgia Tech offered me a scholarship. You know, everybody in Georgia offered me a scholarship. And it was, the, it was just how Coach Tyrone Nix just approached me. You know, he approached me, come to my house. Coach Spray came to my high school. You know what I mean? Things like that mean it's, it's just like they really seem like they really want you. You know, they really want you to come be a part of this. And, you know, he always encouraged – Coach Nix always encouraged me to be myself. He was like – he was like, we brought you – he was like, you know – I'm sorry about that. He was like – he was like, we brought, we brought you here, you know, to, to, to be who you are, to be a player, to be – to be animated, to to have that energy, he like bring that. That's what we want. That's the reason why we recruited you so hard. So it was the process was amazing. It was it was just a lot of fun. And and you got recruited as a defensive lineman, correct? You you weren't an offensive lineman coming yeah. out of high school because you're talking about Tyrone Nix. He, he was the DC. Yeah, he was. He recruited me as a DN. Me and Norwood. You know, Norwood. <laughs> we went to high wow. schools right around each other. Right. That's my boy. You know what I mean? Norwood was going to Oklahoma State. And then I started talking to him like, man, let's go. I'm like, man, let's go to, you know, let's go to South Carolina, man. Let's go be playing the SEC, you know, and, and, and make some noise in the SEC. And, um, you know, he was all down for it. I was able to get him to turn and come to South Carolina with me as well. And it was just, you know, it was it was a lot of fun. You know, I was looking forward to it. Even my first year, you know, we was both – he was second-team defensive end. I was second-team DN. He went on to start and make a – be a hell of a player. You know, I ended up tearing my knee up my freshman year, and yeah. I gained a lot of weight. And, you know, I just wasn't as – I wasn't a D-tackle. You know, I D-tack wasn't – I didn't know how to play D-tackle. I wasn't a D-tackle. And Coach Fred decided to move me. And, honestly, I think that was one of the best decisions. I hated it at first. I did not want to go play off the line. I was like – I am not off the line, man. I did not want to do it. But the guys he was recruiting, like a Cliff Matthews and a, you know, a Clifton Gathers and a, you know, guys, Melvin, like guys he was recruiting was just like phenomenal guys at defensive end. You know what I mean? And, uh, you know, I was good at defensive end, but I don't, you know, I don't think I had quite the talent that they had at defensive end. So I think playing lineman was, was playing guard and stuff was, gave me, was able to keep my career advancing, you know? For sure. So I want to dive in that just a second, but I want to switch gears a little bit. And again, I want to talk about, uh, I didn't realize your high school teammate was Kenny McKinley, um, the late Kenny McKinley, which rest in peace. And I know I've actually seen you a lot on social media and we recognize Kenny and again, rest in peace to to one of the all time Gamecock greats and a great dude from all accounts, a great person. Just, just talk about, I'd love to hear just because again, you were his high school teammate. You saw his development at South Carolina. And again, I've, it's been fun because I've seen a lot of your comments and everybody loves to talk, have, the GOAT conversation, whether it's the best quarterback in school history, the best – of course, you got to talk wide receivers. And there's been a lot of them at South yeah. Carolina. And I know you're someone – you're very adamant. Kenny definitely deserves to be in the top two or three guys to ever catch the football at South Carolina. But talk about him as a person, as a player. What do you remember from the late, great Kenny McKinley? And man, I got to I got to see Sydney, Kenny, Alshon, <laughs> yeah. Anders. You know what I mean? The list goes on, though. The uh, young bull came in right right when we left, so it, the list goes on, man. I got to see a lot of great receivers, but Kenny just Kenny didn't even play receiver in high school. Mm-hmm. You know, Kenny was our starting quarterback since he was a freshman in high school. He was a varsity starting quarterback. As soon as we he was a year older than me, as soon as he became a freshman, you know, he he started being a uh, um the starting varsity quarterback. It was just amazing, man. He used to he he was like Michael Vick in uh in our hood. You know what I mean? Like 
do everything, run across the field, run back across the field, uh, shake everybody, throw it for a touchdown. It was just amazing, man. Was, he was an amazing teammate. He was he was my best friend, you know what I mean? He was he was just everything to me. He was my big brother, you know, led the way, you know. I always took care of everybody, you know. And, I mean, the stuff he did on the field was phenomenal, but, you know, the person he was off the field was always just even more phenomenal because he was just – he was just he was just that guy, you know. I, I we used to ride in the car. We used to ride in the car, and like oh he like say if he hit the brakes too fast or something like that, he'll reach over and put his arm across me, you know. It's, it's like I'm two or three hundred pounds, bro. Like we good, you know what I'm saying? But it just loves, you know what I'm saying? That's just the type of person he was, you know. Like he man, I can't numerous things he did for me as far as just helping me with the school process of learning and, you know, helping my development as a player. I remember when I got hurt my freshman year, I was down now. He was coming to visit me at the hospital and kicking with me. You know, he was just, he was just my dog, man. And stuff like that, you just never forget. You know what I mean? You never forget, you know, and talking him as a player, he was an exceptional player. I know I talked more about him personally, but he was an exceptional player. Like I said, he played quarterback in high school for us, you know, um, the last game of the year, he freaking threw for, like, six touchdowns. We lost in overtime against Collins Hill. We think it was, like, one of the most points scored in um in, in Collins – I mean, in um Georgia history for a high school game. We went to a six-overtime game. It was amazing, you know, and um, he just was a great, great dude, man, gravely. Then to see him transition, to see him put that training in, you know, before he went to South Carolina, he'll be at the high school putting in training to get better receiver because he knew he was going to go there and play receiver. And to see how he trained and how, how good he got it, got at it and for him to go off and, you know, start right away at South Carolina when he wasn't, you know, he was like a three-star recruit. He wasn't, he was transitioning from quarterback and for him to break all those records and, you know, be the all-time leading receiver. I don't know if it's still holding up, but it I always hold up in my mind is he's the all-time, you know, game kind of leading receiver. Mm-hmm. And I think receptions as well or something like that. But like, he just was an amazing guy, man. I can't, you know, I, I love and miss him to death every day. Every time I see 11-11, one time mm-hmm. with Kenny Mack. Every time I see yeah. 1-11, one time with Kenny Mack. Love y'all always in favor. So, yeah. That yeah. Was my dog. yeah, RIP Kenny Mack, man. Again, truly one of the legends to ever wear the garnet and black. I, I want to get back to your career, Terrence. Again, like you said, 2007 or 2006, excuse me, you redshirt as a true freshman. You had that knee injury, which knocked you out. 2007, though, is when you come in, you're listed as a D lineman, but you got your number changed from 81 to 60, and you get moved to the offensive line. Sort of a two-part question, because I'd love to know, again, like you said, I, I'm sure that was kind of a shock to you, and I, I don't know how well-received it was, but – what was the conversation like? I mean, did they just tell you, hey, man, we're moving you to O-line? And then Steve Spurrier. I, I want to get your thoughts on Coach Spurrier, the interactions with him, your relationship, because I, I would imagine he was somewhat part of that conversation. But, yeah, what was that like for you? I, again, I know that's got to be a shock. You get recruited as a defensive player, and you have all these dreams and aspirations. And it's like, hey, man, you're moving to O-line, you know, which is not yeah. a glorious position, by the way. You're, it's, not. it's not like playing it's DM not. where you're, you're making plays and you're getting credit yeah. and recognition. The offensive linemen are the unsung heroes. You don't get the credit that you get, you know, playing defense. Not not at all. The only time you get recognized is when you give up a sack. <laughs> when you mess up, <laughs> yeah. When you mess up. Every time like you give up a sack, Coach uh, Spencer be like, you know we had a receiver open on that play. <laughs> like, of course. Of course. On the play that I gave up a sack is a receiver open. You know, but, man, when when Coach Brad came to me and, and told me that, you know, I, I believe we were sitting out in the field, and um, he gave me a shot. He, Coach Brad, man, I, I have no bad words for Coach Brad, man. He's a real true players coach. He truly, his wife is amazing. She used to do, she was just such a sweet lady, and I could talk to her as well. 
you know, and but Coach Fred, he was just he was a good dude, man. And he he was all for the for winning. You know, he he taught us that competitive spirit and, and how to be competitive and how to, you know, take the game serious and how to, you know, approach the game. And um he just he just when he came to me, he was like, Man, you know, you're at the bottom of the death chart, uh at D tackle, just straight shooter, you're at the bottom of the death chart, D tackle, and you know, we 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 feel that you're a fighter and we need some fight on the O line. And um, if we, if you could, we we we're not if you could, we're moving you to the O line, and um and um we want you to be a guard. So you want to start working with Coach Sid, and Coach Sid was there. He used to be a one of the great offensive linemen and everything like that. Sid, Sid Williams. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. So he was there, and he was um a, a, at the time he was a graduate assistant. So he used to work with me after practice every day. You know, work with me after practice every day. And in the beginning, I was like. Hell no. Nah. You know, in the beginning, I was like, I hate this. You know what I mean? I was just, you know, I was just always, I was fighting it, you know? But once I figured I'm not going, like, this is my best chance to play. This is my best opportunity to, to get on the field. You know, yeah, I got to learn a whole new position. I got to learn all new traits and skills, but, you know, ended up working out, you know? And Coach mm-hmm. said, man, I, I thank Coach said for starting me on the process of getting good, of knowing how to be as a as an offensive lineman and knowing you know what to do in the weight room and everything you know so it all changed my whole dynamic changed food I got to eat a lot <laughs> I got to eat a lot more <laughs> when I became an offensive lineman I can tell you that but it was it was it was cool it was pretty interesting yeah I feel like the transition Terrence for you was was pretty smooth though because I mean you started nine games that first year at the guard position I mean you, you made a big impact immediately I, I, I'll ask you again another two-part question what do you think attributed to you becoming such a big-time impact player on that offensive line so quickly? Because, again, like you said, you were a defensive lineman. All of a sudden, now you're an offensive lineman, and you start nine games. And then also, those first couple of starts, I know you got that first start in 2008 against Wofford, and I think you started against uh, Tennessee. Yeah, 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 yeah. You started, like I said, nine of the games. You start almost every game. Was, was there a moment – I was going to say, was there a moment for you – where you were kind of like worried, where you're like, oh, God, I, I really don't know how this is going to go. I mean, it's my first time getting on the offensive line. And you're taking on SEC defensive linemen, which, you know, Jackson, for itself. Man, I remember vividly. I remember – that's a good question. I remember vividly. We were playing LSU. It was at home, and we was on the goal line or something like that. And Tyson mm-hmm. Jackson was like – he was. He, I can't remember exact words he said, but it's something like, you know, like he welcomed me to the SEC. I'm like, like, yeah, like he just talking shit, pounding on his chest. And I'm like, I'm like, oh, my goodness. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing out here. I'm like, is this – when we played at Florida and yeah. we got beat by like 50 yeah. and the crowd was going crazy and I could, I didn't know the plays that well. And I used to have to ask Sorsen for the plays or what to do. And it was so loud in Florida that I couldn't hear anything. And I was just getting my butt toe up. It was a lot. That was a that was a butt kicking year. You know, I got a lot of butt whoopings that year. You know, against some of the smaller schools. Yeah, I play. I play. I play decent against some smaller schools, but mm. against a lot of them big time schools, <laughs> man, I got it was it was some butt whoopings I took. So a lot of lashings. You know, just with me not being having enough weight. I was a fighter. You know, Coach Perry just liked the fact that I was fighting. I ain't no. You know, excuse my language. I ain't no, I ain't no. You know, I'm not a pussy. I'm not scary. Right. You know, I'm not gonna be afraid to to battle. You know, I'm not gonna be afraid to bang. You know, I'm definitely not. Mm. Now, did I have the proper weight? Did I have the proper technique? Mm. You know, did I know all the plays? Was I 100% confident in in me doing my job? No. But I knew one thing: I would fight. You know, and I would I would try to you know I would try to battle. I would try to bang. You know, regardless. You know, so that that was the main reason why um, Coach Brad put me out there. And we had a lot of injuries that year. 
had a lot of injuries with the offensive line and stuff like that. So, you know, he, that was the main reason why he picked me out there because he just knew I was a fighter. Mm-hmm. And uh, I really respect him and appreciate him for giving me the opportunity and that chance to go out there. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, it was de- definitely that LSU game against Tyson Taylor. <laughs> he's on the goal line. He pounded on his chest. And I can't remember the exact words he said, but he was basically like, welcome to the SEC or something like that. You know, and I'm just like, I'm like, damn. It's real right here, like you know. So it was, that was probably one of the defining moments for yeah. me that year. No, love it. Like I said, I think those uh, those, those early tests paid off for you because obviously, again, you were a huge contributor. I want to ask you specifically about your injury history because again, 2006, yeah. you have the knee injury, which anytime you mess up your knee, I, it's tough. I mean, you never want to hear that as far as a knee injury is concerned. In 2009, it's your fourth year on campus. You start the first two games, then you get a neck shoulder stinger, if you will, which I want to hear more about that. You had to sit out the remainder of the year. You get your second medical redshirt because, again, like I said, I didn't realize you got there in 2006 because you were there till 2011. I mean, you really (laughs) seemed like you were there like for two different eras, pretty much of Gamecock. I I mean, you saw you saw Gamecock football in all lights while you were in Columbia. It's it's wild, which which is cool because you actually saw the come up. Really, I mean, you think about it. But uh, I tell people that all the time. Yeah. I seen it from the beginning, baby. Yeah. Like, I so, tell people all the time. I seen it from when we was, when we was, people was mi- missing summer workouts. Not none of us as freshmen, but right. like other cats was missing summer workouts. To now, it's, it's no, it's a guarantee that everybody's going to be at summer workout. It ain't even no question yeah. about somebody missing summer workouts, you know. Mm-hmm. Ain't even no question about somebody finishing all that reps and, you know, everybody competing and going hard. There's no question about it. You know, so that was that was yeah, it was it was it was fun. Yeah, it I was, wanted to, yeah, like I said, big I, main I, players. Yeah, I wanted to ask you specifically about that injury history. Just how tough was that for you? And again, getting that second medical redshirt, I know that had to be you know awesome for you because you want the opportunity to write your own legacy, if you will. But I mean, you just at some and point you're, you're thinking to yourself, man, like I just can't catch a break with all the injuries. I mean, what? And I know offensive lines, obviously, you're you're going to get banged up. I mean, it's it's a car crash every single place. I mean, I guess it's not yeah. really surprising, but just talk about that, dealing with the adversity of, of dealing with the injuries. Man, it was just it, – it, it sucked. Number one, you know, you always feel isolated and you always feel alone in those situations, mm-hmm. you know, because you battling the injuries while the rest of your teammates are battling other opponents, you know. So it always – it's always an isolation in that in that time period, especially when it's something like a stinger and it, it just continues to happen, like – Trust me, I tried to get back on the field multiple times. I tried to get back on the field multiple times. Every time I would go out to practice or something, my neck would get snapped over the wrong way. My fingers would it would regress me back to day one, you know, when my fingertips would be ting- tingling. And, you know, that's just – it's, like, just bad for the nerves. That's why I ended up having to wear – ended up having to wear, like, a horse collar, like a – like, one of – I don't even know what it's called, a horse collar. I don't even yeah. see people wear it no more. Neck, like the a neck, neck guard thing? Yeah, neck guard. Yeah, yeah, I ended up wearing, like, a neck guard. Yeah. It, it worked yeah. out, man, and I was able to – to continue playing and you know like that missed that whole year then the next year Kenny passed away and then I ended up missing that whole year because he passed away and I was just mm-hmm. devastated about that you know and that sucked you know what I mean I couldn't I just couldn't play I was I wasn't I wasn't there you know what I mean yeah. I wasn't there I had a lot of stuff going on I was just I was you know I, I couldn't focus on ball you know and I was excited but they gave my boy you know it's just amazing how God works man because they gave Rakevius Watkins the opportunity and he went out and balled out Came an all SEC player, yeah. went to play in the NFL. You know, it just and that's one of my best friends. And am I happy? Am I disappointed that I didn't that you know it didn't work out for me to play that year? Of course, a hundred percent. But am I happy that he got an opportunity and, and glad he got a chance? And this you know catapulted him to more success. 
hundred percent. You know, I would be upset if he got the chance and you know he was trash or, or garbage. So it was just it was good, man. It, it worked out. And then you know it was, it was it stuck. Like I said, it sucked. It was an isolation moment. But you know you pushed through, and you know yeah. At that time, I really wasn't leaning on God. I really didn't know too much about God at, at that point in my life. So I was just I was trying to figure things out, you know. And then like I said, once Kenny passed away, that's kind of when you know, my whole transformation with, with meeting God and really, you know, talking with God, you know, that and that, and that's what helped me through that process. You know what I mean? And that's, and the rest was history after that, really. Yeah. You mentioned rock Watkins, man, had him on the show. He, he's an awesome dude. What a character that is for sure. Rock, rock that's is my guy. Rock's a good time, man. Rock's a good time. Yeah. I want to. I want to ask you too. Again, we just talked about it a little bit. Like I said, it's interesting. Like you saw the come up with South Carolina football, and you mentioned, and I remember that vividly as well. When Coach Spurrier was sort of, you know, complaining about the commitment and guys not showing up to summer workouts and stuff like, like, like you're saying, you know what I mean? Things that championship teams do. I, I'm curious to get your opinion on just like what what do you think changed from 2006 to 2011? Because you started to kind of see it happening, especially in 2009 with Steven Garcia and you beat Clemson and obviously 2010. You go to the SEC title and then 2011, yeah. it speaks for itself. You win 11 games. But what is it just as simple as you just change the guys in the locker room and that changed the culture? Like what, what changed during your time at South Carolina to get to that point where you won 11 the games? Guys. It's the commitment. We wasn't like a big family. You know what I mean? Like, like, like DJ could come over there and yell at the offensive line and talk crazy to us. And it wasn't like, bro, like, get away, bro, go back on your, you know, yeah. it wasn't none. Of, it, it's not that type of vibe. It's like, it's like, bro, you're right. We need to step up. Yeah, hey, we need to pick it up. I could go to the DBs. I go to the D line, bro. Like, bro, can we get a sack? What's up? Can we get, can we get the ball back? Like, and, and you know, it wasn't, it was no egos. You know, Stephon Gilmore. A hell of a player. He didn't have no ego. He wasn't flashy. He wasn't trying to stand out. He was a team player. Alshon Jeffrey, he didn't have no ego. He wasn't flashy. He wasn't trying to stand out. He was a team player coming to all the workouts, working hard. Yeah, maybe he's not the one yelling and screaming and stuff, but you got different guys to do different things. Everybody, Some people lead differently. You know, Alshon would lead by example. Stephon Gilmore would lead by example. I would do more talking and more yelling. You know, we have other guys who do more talking and more yelling. You know, I can think of a vivid moment where one day we're running the bleachers outside because somebody got in trouble. And that person who got in trouble, one of our teammates punched that person in the face. Literally punched him in the face. And and did he quit? Did he did he comp did he quit the team? No. He actually went on to be a good player and go to the NFL. You know what I mean? But at the time when we was getting in trouble and running, it was because of him. You know, he was young, but you had older guys to step up and be like, bro, like, like, and not, a, not afraid to challenge you, not afraid to check you. And, you know, and I think that's, that's what it's about. You know what I mean? You gotta, you gotta all be one team and all be willing to push each other to, to that goal. You know, you get more, more people get an opportunity when you win 11 games. You know, more scouts look at that film when you win 11, 11 games. You know, more people, more awards are given to that team when you win 11 games. You know what I mean? Compared to you winning two games, three games, six games, you know, like you, nobody's checking that for that film. Everybody turns into a, a lot of times when stuff starts going down here like that, a lot of people turn into individuals, mm -hmm. you know, and, and, and worry about their stats, worry about their tackles, worry about their, 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 their catches and stuff, worry about their assignment instead of the overall team. And that's what it is. It's a team effort, you know, and it, and it doesn't start when the season starts. It starts in the off season. It starts in the summertime before, before the coaches, it, it happens when the coaches are not around. The coaches are not bringing us together. That's not happening. 
you know, we used to do, we used to have cookouts. It wouldn't just be an offensive line cookout. It would be an everybody cookout. It wouldn't just be a quarterback cookout. It wouldn't just be a DB cookout. It's like everybody show up, everybody come have a good time. And that's what would happen. I'd throw parties, you know, and everybody would show up. And we would have fun together as a team off the field. So when we came on the field, it's like we want to celebrate and have fun too. And I know that I can talk to you however I need to talk to you because we built this relationship off the field as well. You know, you know me off the field. You know that we want to win. We will watch film at home together as, a, as an offensive line and figure things out. We just took it serious. You know, we saw the opportunity and everybody took it serious. We saw the talent that we had and everybody took it serious. It, it, it's never on the coaches, though. Mm. It's, it, I, I know the coaches take the, get the blame for it, and I know they get, you know, the, the, the harsh reality of getting fired and things like that. But it's not on the coaches to, to pull the team together. The coaches are there to lead the team, but you got to have a good group of guys there to pull that team together, a good group of solid older guys to make it, make it all gel. Because you're a freshman and you coming in, your eyes wide open. It's all new girls, all new campus. You know what I'm saying? Your eyes wide open. But guys who's been there and see that, that light at the end of the tunnel starting to open up, they're like, hey, bro, like, hey, we all got to be on the same page. Hey, we all got to get these workouts. I, we will work out extra. We would come in on all days. You know, we would do those little things. And it wouldn't just be five people. It would be 20. You know what I mean? It would, so, like, it's contagious. You know, hard work is contagious. Mm-hmm. When you see your partner working hard, when you see your offensive line buddy work hard, you're like, damn, you over there goddamn still getting it in. <laughs> like, bro, what you doing? What you got now? Let me get some of that. You know what I mean? Like, it's just contagious. You know what I mean? Like, and that just builds throughout. You know, everybody starts, people start catching balls out the practice. One person starts catching balls out the practice. Next thing you know, it's two people catching balls out the practice. It's contagious. All it takes is that one person to step up and do it. That's it. And I think you heard so Connor. I was, I was going to say, I think you heard your former quarterback, Connor Shaw, say it a few weeks ago when he said the best cultures are player led. I know you probably saw that video. I mean, that's, that yep. speaks to it, what you're saying. Best cultures are player led. It is. Like the coaches can, we can yell and scream and do all of that. But, you know, a lot of times you're not going to hear it from the coach because, you know, you're not going to hear it. But let you have a player's meeting and your and your boy call you out. Your boy say something to you. You know, that's a, that's different. You know, that's a lot different. Yeah, I hope Connor it. stay around too. Connor's an awesome, awesome guy. I hope he stays around for a long yeah. time. He's an awesome, awesome young man. Yeah, and I think I, I know all Gamecock fans agree with you on that for as far as the next head coach keeping him on staff or in an admin role or in some capacity. Yeah, that is something. Amazing. They yeah. need to keep, like he said, that that block C on his chest, no doubt. I, I want to get back to on the field because, again, I, I know I talked a little bit about that South Carolina Clemson game in 2009. And, Terrence, you were a guy – you won four of your six years against Clemson, which I know has to feel good for you. Obviously, you go four and two against the Tigers, and you started, obviously, the five-game winning streak. And um, I know, obviously, your first year you redshirted, but the, you guys won in 2006. And then, again, the first of uh, the three in the five-game winning streak. Just talk about being a part of that rivalry. And, again – you know, just call it what it is. You guys smacked them your last three years there. I, I know that had to feel good. You still, uh, even with the success Clemson's having now, I know it's nice yeah. for you to sit there and say, I, when I play, we, we, we took care of business. I tell them all the time. I tell Georgia <laughs> fans all the time. I tell them, I say, hey, bro, hey, you can, you, you can say all this and that, but when I play, we handle business. 
when when we played Georgia, we told Georgia. Mm-hmm. When we played Tennessee, we whooped up on Tennessee. <laughs> we played Clemson, we whooped up on Clemson. So mm-hmm. I'm like, I can't control. Yeah. I I have this conversation yeah. so many times with with guys with people. I'm like, I can't control what they're doing now. I can only control when we was there and the mm-hmm. days that we put out and the effort that we played on, you know. But but it was amazing, you know. It was, the city was just so fun, man. Columbia is a fun city when you are winning. Mm-hmm. We are the only prof- basically professional team in the state. Mm-hmm. That's it, and Clemson. So when you are winning, oh my, it is it's a, it's, it is a fun environment. I can only imagine how how much fun it is with them winning national championships in Clemson. Just being yeah. honest, I can only imagine. But when we was whooping up on Clemson and winning those games, it was a lot of fun. It was and it and it, and it was just it didn't it 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 just we just had a, a better talent, more talented team, man. Yeah. Bruce Bruce Ellington, you know, like we just had some guys that was just you know some good athletes and was committed to winning. You know, wanted to win, so I can't. I can't. Yeah, it was. It was a lot of fun. Like it was like winning those games, playing against good competition with with them boys, going to Clemson, all that, all that. I miss all of that. I miss yeah. all of that. I, I was gonna like, say, are there any? Are there any good memories? Because again, I, the offensive line, that that battle in the trenches, that's a car crash every play. I I know the uh, the shit talk has to be at an all time high. Is there any specific uh, memories you can tell on air of you jawing back and forth with any, any of their oh. guys? Man, again with Clemson. Yeah, with Clemson. Branch, Andre, Andre Branch is that? That's the defense. I think that's end, a, I think that that's a guy. Yeah, I think that's a guy. Yeah, yeah. I, he still played in the league and stuff. He's been in the league for a while too, but he was a trash talker, you know. And so we was going back. He played defense end, but I got to pull and catch him on a couple kickout blocks <laughs> and stuff like that. So he was just talking, just talking, talking, talking the whole time. The deep tackle they had was very good. He didn't say a word, you know. what I'm saying he was he was a good guy, but he didn't. He didn't say a word. He didn't talk too much, you know. But but the, but Branch, he was the man who, who did a lot of talking. Yeah. You know, he was always out there running his mouth, and you know, we definitely would shut him up, though. You know, we definitely would easily. So it was it was a lot of fun. No doubt. So you Florida were part- too. Florida was another good Florida? game too. We had a lot of trash talk against Florida. They declined all of them talk. <laughs> all of them was talking the whole time and doing little slick little stuff, and we were doing it back. You know what I mean? We ain't, we ain't soft. Ain't nothing soft yeah. over here, dog. So yeah. if that's how you want to play, we can play that way. Yeah. You want to play fair? We can play fair. But we want to play dirty? We can play dirty. You know what I mean? Me and, me and my boy Rakevis, it was a lot of fun times me and him had. I wish we could have – I wish my boy Kyle Nunn didn't get hurt that year and he could have stayed healthy and then we could have kept Rakevis at right tackle and me at right guard. Oh, my goodness, we were smashing folks. Mm-hmm. That Georgia game, when, when Lap ran for him, we were smoking them. Smoking them, <laughs> Jones and um and whoever the other little boy, the other yeah. deep deep tack they had, man, we was running them boys. Black was running <laughs> all over them, like it was a lot of fun, man. Mm-hmm. It was and the rock, me and Rock are the same. So our mindset and trash talking, physicality, we're gonna break it regardless. You know what I mean? So it was it was it was good. Yeah, well, since we're on the topic, I'll ask you, man. What just simply put, what was it like to block for Larkus Lattimore? Because he he's a guy that, again, you guys were a great offensive line unit, but when you've got a guy like Marcus Lattimore toting the rock, he's gonna make you look good every now and then. And you mentioned that man. that Georgia game in 2010, which was his coming out party. I think I think he broke like 40 tackles. I mean, just something crazy. Runs for like 180. You guys obviously get the win, but uh, what was it like blocking for Marcus? Because again, I, just he's a guy that. He's gonna make the offensive line look, make the entire team look good. The way he runs the football. Best running back I ever played with, you know, to this day. Best running back I ever played with, even on a professional level, mm. you know, and best running back I ever played with. He just, 
he's just a guy who performs, who sees the host. He makes me correct, put it like that. He makes me right. Brother, I'm blocking you to the right, to the left in that zone scheme. If you try to slip back and I got to turn back and push you that way, then guess what? Mark's going to cut that thing to the left and be out of there. If I got if you want to run this way and I got to watch you this way, he's going to cut it back. Yeah. You know, he was just a good back, man. He didn't say it. He didn't talk. He, I don't know how he would break all of those tackles. <laughs> don't know. He didn't have no great jukes out there or nothing like that. Real downhill runner, one back, I mean, one cut kind of back. You know, and he was just an exceptional back to really just see the field. You know, and I really enjoyed blocking for him. I really thought we was going to win the Heisman. Yeah. And, um, and 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 um, he was going to win the Heisman. I was going to get to go to the Heisman ceremony <laughs> and be out there, you know, looking good. You know, so I really thought it was going to happen. But, you know, God has other plans for people. And, yeah. and, you know, we all have our plan and they all have our way of life. You know, you may not understand it when it's going down. But when he got hurt, I was devastated, you know, just because Lattimore is a – he was a good kid. He just was a great kid. Like, we just had a lot of good guys there. Yeah. We had a lot of guys who was dedicated to winning and, and good teammates, man. Yeah. Like, I, I I love my – Coach Spray would always tell us, he would be like, man, he would always say, you know, he like, these are the best times of your life. You know, sometimes we wouldn't always – we you would be like, he's like, Coach, man, I'm having some great time. You know what I'm saying? It just started. But those were really the best times of, of my life. You know, I mean, I have, I've had some great times too, continuous, but just being able to have your boys there with you accessible, like every day, you know what I'm saying? You're like, these are guys who are like my real friends now. Like I'm still super tight with Melvin, DJ, Alshon, Jared, you know, Cliff Matthews. I can, I can talk to Pierre Andrews. I talk to everybody. I mean, I talk to all the guys, <laughs> but professionally, but professionally, like, you don't you don't build that bond, you know. Right. You don't you don't have that. Forever. Maybe some guys do that's been in the league forever, right. you know. But a lot of times, if you're bouncing around different teams, like that's just not your those are not your true friends, like college. And then Coach Bray was right, man. But that that was an awesome guy. He was great running back, great vision, you know, great steadier, pick up the blitzes. Like he was he was exceptional. That's why he still got drafted. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, well, no Heisman Trophy. Hopefully, he served you up a couple of steak dinners for uh, the, the work you guys did for him. I, I know you guys deserved it. He ain't serving uh, no steak dinners, man. He's in college. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Well, me a lot of thank you, though. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Well, I, I wanted to get to 10 and 11 because, again, Terrence, it's awesome. You were on some teams that accomplished a lot of firsts at South Carolina. We'll start first in 2010 with the obvious. You go to the SEC title game. You're still a part of the only team to ever do that at South Carolina. I, we, we could spend the entire show – just talking about that 2010 year um, from Alabama yeah. to playing against Auburn in the SEC championship. Just, just walk me through again, that 2010 season. Um, you're a fifth year senior. You played in 10 of the 14 games, made two starts that year, but just talk about that year as a whole going to Atlanta. I know it didn't end exactly how you want I mean, Cam Newton turned into Superman. What can you do? But uh, I know. The, the entire experience, man, I, I'm sure that had to be awesome too. Again, and you're still to this day, part of the only team that has gone to Atlanta for, for the Gamecocks. I love it. You know, I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. I can't. I mean, I wish we would have won it. We thought we wanted to play Auburn. We yeah. wanted to play Auburn. You, 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 you should have probably had them the first time. I mean, honestly. I, yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. That's why that's why we wanted to play them. Yeah. You yeah. know, Coach Perry threw it up to Lamar Scruggs. Not taking nothing from Lamar Scruggs, <laughs> but he threw it up to Lamar right. Scruggs in the end zone when we got Alshon Jeffrey, you yeah. know, right here. Throw it up to him. Shit, yeah. I don't care if two people are on him. Throw it up to Alshon. Throw yeah. it up. I used to be in the huddle. I used to tell Connor, man, throw it up to one. I used to tell Garcia, throw it up to one, man. Throw it up, please. Just throw it. Like, it don't matter. Just throw it up to him. 
So, but but we wanted to play Auburn again when we got what we wanted. Alabama was a very good team. We beat them, but they was a very good team. They was a very big team. So we did not want to play them again. You know, we wasn't. You know, we wanted to play Auburn. We felt like we matched up well with Auburn. We felt like we could have, we should have beat Auburn. But like I said, they just. I remember we was in. I remember we was in the dome. We was in the dome warming up, and then and Auburn came in in the dome, and they just t- came in. They just they just set the tone from the jump. As soon as they came in the dome, we in the dome warming up. They get off the bus. They come in the middle of the dome, jumping, turn. You know, like 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 rowdy. Like as soon as they get off the bus, I'm like, I'm like, they. You know what I'm saying? They just mm. they just set the tone. Like they just was. Their mindset was already. They was on a different mission. You know what I mean? And they played like it. You know, and they had a real good team and. You know, a lot of guys stepped up that year, but but that was a fun year. You know, and I, like I said, that's the year Kenny Mack passed away. Yeah. So I kind of – I started in the beginning of the year, and then after Kenny passed, I kind of was like, you know, I was down, I was done. You know, I kind of – I said I didn't never recover until, you know, after the after that year. Thankfully, I had that medical, and I was able to come in, you know, show all my worth in 2011, but I really wanted to show my worth 2010 and 2011. Right. You know, that was, right. that was the goal, but, you know – like I said, you know, you just never know what happens. You know, God got different plans for everybody. And, you know, that's during that time I, I struggled with that, but I still had a great team, you know, and we and we accomplished so much that year and went to the SC championship and won our bowl game and you know, we just we just set ourselves up for a big two thousand eleven. We knew we knew what we had. You know, we was not we swept the East in two thousand six. We swept the East in two thousand eleven. You know, I tell people, like, bro, we swept the East. Like, mm. we was being, we beat every team in the East. And I can't believe we lost to Arkansas in 2011. I was so, so mad about that. Mm. Arkansas, we lost Arkansas and Auburn. Mm. Should have beat both of them. Mm. Easily should have beat both of them. Mm. But, but yeah, that was that was pretty much 2010. It was, they just they just came in, turned up in the in the SC yeah. championship. But yeah. the year was a great year. You know, we we won a lot of games and really set our stuff up for. Like I said, 2011. 2011, we should have went to the SC Championship again. Yeah. They said because we lost two games to the West, but we swept the East. Yeah. But we so we don't get to go to the SC Championship. That makes no sense. We sweep the East. That's what we play on. We play in the East. Yeah. So we sweep the East just because we lose two to the West. We still should have went because it's it's two different conferences. Yeah. And, yeah, and then that eleven season again, you 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 make your biggest impact, I would argue, as a gamecock. And again, you come in as a sixth year senior offensive lineman. I mean, you came out of spring drills at the top of the depth chart at right guard. You had the most experience of any returning lineman. And again, you made twelve starts yeah. in two thousand eleven. And you were truly the anchor of that offensive line in twenty eleven. Again, another fantastic group. Marcus Lattimore running the football. Obviously, you go through the quarterback change in the middle of the season with Connor Shaw taking over for Steven Garcia with his issues getting kicked off the team. Um but again, another first where, again, you, we talked to, it's not just Terrence Campbell. It's Terrence Campbell, part of the first ever Gamecocks team and the only to ever go to Atlanta. And then also part of the first ever Gamecocks team to win 11 games. And that's something that yeah. nobody can ever take away from you. Just what does that mean to you? Because I know it probably means a lot in the moment when you're hoisting the trophy in the Capital One Bowl, you beat Nebraska. And, you know, I've heard from different guys you played with how great of a win that was and how special it was because, you know, Nebraska came in as this program, all this tradition. And they, they've got, you know, I think yeah. I forget who it was, told me the story that Coach Spurrier was pointing over to their bus and they got all their national titles and their conference titles and all down the bus. He's like, none of that matters. Hey, we're not playing – we're not playing that. We're playing this Nebraska team. It doesn't matter what they've yeah. done in the past. It doesn't matter that we, we don't have as much tradition as them. And uh, so I know it was special for a lot of different reasons. But, I mean, I, I'm sure looking back now, especially, and, and thinking that and reflecting on that, I'm sure you got your 11-win ring. Like, it's 
It's really cool. I mean, you know, you're, you're in you're in, in very awesome company, I would say. I mean, that was amazing. I was team captain that year, so mm. I'm, we're painted on the wall in the captain hall forever. Mm. You know, 11 win season. You know, that's forever going to be there. And then it was it was amazing just to uh, put our team together and everybody together. It was it was it was cool. Like man, we had a solid team and we had a good group of guys. And you know, I might have been the anchor of that team, but Rakevius. T.J. Johnson, mm-hmm. A.J. Ken was a freshman, yeah. balling. You know what I mean? Like, and now he's a balling in the NFL. Like, you know, and Cal Nunn, Nasty Nunn. Like, man, we just had a good <laughs> squad of guys that was that would just, you know, put in the work and put in the effort that was just dedicated to us. When our D-line, going against the guys on our D-line was the best D-line. Mm-hmm. We had the best D-line. So us going one-on-ones against them continuously, having Melvin Ingram stand over top of you and a three technique, coming downhill at linebacker, having a, a, a um the silent assassin, Devin Taylor, you know, long reach, coming around the edge, Cliff Matthews, Clifton Gathers, like just had a really good team, you know what I mean? And and it was exciting. That was a, that was a, some exciting times. And you know, I I believe all these games are one in the trenches. You know, yeah. you can have – everybody's going to have skill players. We got skill players now that's that's great and balling out. But I think the difference that separates teams is just having a nasty offensive line and having a nasty D-line. You know, mm-hmm. when you got a good offensive line and good D-line, it kind of can control the tempo of the game. You know, yeah, you need a quarterback. But if you got a good offensive line that, and you got a good running back that can run the ball and a quarterback that just take care of the ball and don't turn it over, you have a successful winning team right there. Yeah. You know, especially if you have multiple running backs that you can interchange, like – and you got a dominant offensive line that can control the clock. Like you just able to play off of that, play actions and 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 just simple things that just get raw receivers open. So I think the offensive line, like I always tell people, you know, the offensive line is the most important position on the field. Offensive line is the only position on the field where where you don't substitute, where it's five guys on the field all the time, and 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 the D line, everybody else gonna substitute, and you're always involved in the play. Whether it's a run or pass, you're always involved. Even if it's a bootleg, you somebody got to capture that DN. Somebody got to push the wedge that way, you know. So it's always you're always involved, you know what I mean? So that that year was a lot of fun. That was that was I I I I, I love it. Thankful to be a part of. Thankful to have that ring. I'm mm-hmm. glad I got that six year eligibility and was able to be a part of that team and be a team captain that year. It just was special to me, and I and I got voted by my peers. You know what I mean? That means the most to me. You know, I got the hardest worker award coming out of spring that year, you know, and that's what it's all about. You know what I mean? And, and when you got guys that just take that role of, you know, putting it all out there and trying to get everything they can get out of it, you know, the rest of the group just follow along. Mm. You know, the rest of the group follows along. Nobody's going to see somebody working hard unless they just don't, unless they don't want to be a player, see somebody working hard and just, and just walk away. They're going to mm. join. If they if they have that same ambition, yeah, no, for sure. I, I want to get your take switching gears a little bit because you you talked about some of the defensive linemen that played at South Carolina. I know again, like you said, you're a fiery guy, you're a battler, you love to get after it. And again, uh, who were some guys that you went after with most in practice? Because I know I know just recently I've talked with guys like Aldrick Fordham and Travian Robertson and Chaz Sutton and some guys. Obviously, you. you you went you know you you had battles with in practice, and I think that was like you said the great. Yeah, that was the great thing about those teams is iron sharpens iron. And when you're going against the guys, you know, you're going against each other and you look at those players, it's like, bro, you're not going to see anybody better. You know what I mean? So exactly. who were who were some of the – Nobody yeah. was as good as Travian. Nobody bull rushers was as good as Travian. Yeah. Nobody. 
Nobody I went against had a better bull rush than Trayvon Robinson. I used to be like, bruh, stop bull rushing me. Stop. Do another move. Work another move. Try to do a similar Try to do something else. But he was just a good, another good dude, Aldrich. He's very slippery to be playing a three technique. He can yeah. swim, move you. He can move, get around you with, with defensive end take, take, tactics, but had the mentality of a three technique. So you got that. If you played against a guy that was 285 or something like that, we had that in practice. You know what I'm saying? I was going against that on a regular. So it was just like having guys like that, like Eric Norwood. When Wood was, Norwood was there and I had just became offensive lineman, he used to talk so much trash. Talk. I'm a, I'm a, cause he knew me from where, you know, from mm-hmm. back home and stuff. So, and now I'm on the other side of the ball. So he just used to be rapping and rapping. I'm gonna run through your head today. Da, da, da. Like we'll be stretching. <laughs> he just started just talking trash. Like, but he coming directly for me cause he know I'm gonna talk back. Right, right. You know, he know I'm gonna say something back. I ain't gonna, I'm not gonna sit there and just the defense just talking all practice long and the offense we just sitting over here just drinking water, hanging out. Like nah, like nah, ain't no, ain't we ain't scared. I'm going to let you know, we're not scared over here. There ain't no all that talking, riff rapping y'all doing over there. Jap, Jap Brinkley was another person who, we, yeah. who would lay the thump on me. I would hate inside drill and pulling around and see Jap in the hole coming down here at 260. Like, come on, bro. This not, this not real. You know, I'm 260. I'm 260 playing off of the line. Like, this not fair. So, like, those guys was, those guys was, um, I would say I talked a lot more trash with them guys. Oh, they talk a lot more trash than me. Um, and I talk back when 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 um they were there, still around, mm. you know. <laughs> no, but for definitely, sure. Definitely. Yeah, no, it for sure. Cool. Yeah, it's great. Like I said, iron sharpens iron. There's no doubt. I, I want to get your yeah. take, too. Moving past your South Carolina days, Terrence, obviously you spent some time in the NFL with the Redskins, the Jets. I, I'm just curious to get your take on your professional football career after South Carolina, some of the things you learned. What was your overall takeaway from the experience? Man, I got better. You know, I got better with my hands. Mm. You know, that's the main thing that I learned, how to play more with my hands. You know, the Redskins, I was the Redskins and just I was there for a short period of time, but it just it just showed me that I can do it, that I can play, that I was that thankful that I got the opportunity and everything like that. And, and the other leagues that I went to with the Canadian Football League, I dominated it for a year, did great out there for a year, got player of the week, um, offensive lineman of the week, um, did, did some great things out there, tackle and right tackle, left tackle. Um, I got to play those positions and, and be in Canada and experience Canada. Playing arena football, you know, I got to catch touchdown passes and freaking travel all over and see different places and just, you know, it, it really helped me just with culture. You know, I think I think God was setting me up to, you know, to deal with these different cultures and 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 be in different areas of the world and knowing how to relate to people. And because you know, in South Carolina, you know, it's a lot of times it's people in that common area of the South that come to South Carolina. You know, so we all have, you know, kind of the same mentality, be around the same age and stuff like that. So going to play professional football just really opened my eyes up with culture and and really just introducing myself to different different lifestyles and different ways of life. You know, and, 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 it, and it helps me right now. You know, it helps me tremendously right now with, with what I'm doing as um, a police officer because I'm just dealing with different people, different mindsets, different different way of policing with police officers. They may think this way and move that way. You know, and it's just like, you know, you learn to, to like, hey, you know, to accept people's opinions. Mm-hmm. You know, like you have an opinion about that and that's how you believe and feel about that. You got to accept that. You gotta, there's nothing wrong with you. That's made how you was raised. Who knows how you was raised and how yeah. you grew up, 
we was down south, we was raised totally different, grew up totally different. You know, people in California, they're raised totally different, grew up totally different. So it's just, you know, it, it, really, it, it really was a great experience of, of just culture and stuff like that. And I love, I was fortunate to play five more years, loved every second of it throughout the whole process. I was always training with Melvin and DJ and, you know, Akeem. And, mm-hmm. you know, I was always training with the boys, Bruce Ellington. I was, we was always all training together. It was never... You know, that's what, that's what makes it so special. It's never like, no, like, oh, I don't fool with you, Alshon Jeffrey. Oh, for you ain't in the league no more, bro. Like, like nah, bro. Like, like yeah, yo, come work out. Man. We, try, we need to get you back in the league. You know, <laughs> as Melvin would do so many things. Where he tried to talk to his coaches. And, and Chris Culliver took me up to San Francisco and took me into the office line coach's room while I sat down and talked with him and watched film. I, was, I had so many, I had so many opportunities just based off of the guys that was in the NFL that gave me more opportunities and more chances mm-hmm. to get my foot in the door. Yes, I didn't. I never got. I got workout. I never got my foot completely back in the door. But just the simple fact that those guys would would put their name on the line for me, you know, means the world. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So that it just it just taught me a lot throughout those process throughout those years. Yeah, for sure. Terrence, you talked about the culture thing uh, as far as and how that's impacted what you're doing now. I want to go to that first, and then we'll talk about Gamecock football and kind of what's going on with South Carolina football right now. Because right now, like I said, you are currently a police officer uh, in San Jose. And obviously, we all know what's going on in 2020. And, you know, you're an African-American male being a police officer. And again, everything that's happened with the pandemic, with social injustice, all that stuff. I'm just curious to get your experience overall on being a police officer. And then again, in a, in a world that is so divided. And like I said, I think you, you made a great point, by the way. And I've said this before on my own social media channels and to other people. It's like people need to remember, again, like, like you said, not everybody's raised like you are. And I think everybody, I don't know why or when it became a thing where we felt like everybody had to think the same exact way when, like you said, it's just impossible. You know, you're not, not everybody's raised the same way, believing the same things consuming the same thing, doing the same thing, whatever. So your all overall experience on being a police officer. And then I guess I I think on a positive, if you could give people a message as far as, again, we live in this world that's so divided and people are going after one another and and just, you know, the the injustices and all that. I mean, just, just give people, I guess, a a message of positivity or just kind of, you know, the positive things you've seen, seen doing what you do. Cause I'm sure there's been for all the negatives. I'm sure there's tons of positives that probably don't get talked about enough. Hundred percent, and being honestly, I've been associated with. I've been a part of all positivity things, all positive things. I haven't, I haven't been on the scene where I've seen nobody disrespect anybody. Where I've seen another officer like do something that I feel is unethical or do anything that I feel is not humane. I have not been a part of it while I've been a police officer, you know. And I've been around other officers and and seen things and 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 you know. It just hasn't happened with me being around on the scene. I don't know what I can't. I haven't seen stuff where it came out of the media about San Jose doing things not properly. And and but that's not like I say. That's not the whole department. Like yes, you might have an officer who does some things not right, but it's not the system. Nobody's telling me. I didn't have one person tell me. Hey, you need to go out there and arrest all of them. Hey, you need to shoot them with a beanbag. Hey, you need to do this and do that. Like, I never had any command staff say anything like that to me or any other officer say anything like that to me. Never. Not one time throughout, throughout this whole process. And I'm at the bottom of the barrel because I'm brand new. So mm-hmm. if something needs to be done, then they're going to direct me to do it more, most likely. That's why I was on the front line. 
were doing the protest. Because I'm, I'm at the bottom of the bridge. The, the command staff, the lieutenant, sergeants, they not on the front line. They not out there. Mm. So, like, I, I would say, like, you just have to, the main thing is just respect people's opinions. Like, nobody, if, if you want, I believe if you want to see change, you have to be a part of that change. Mm. You know, if you really want to see change. And the way I say be a part of it is, you know, teach your child more about like, hey, you can be a police officer. Instead of being like, don't talk to the police. The police out to get you. Don't, I hate the police. Like, you know, and, and I'm a victim of that as well. You know, I was taught that as well growing mm. up, you know, to, to not talk to the police. The police only here to cause pain and harm and suffering to you. Don't call the police. You know, that's, that's what those are the things that I was taught, you know, and you have to relearn that, like, damn, everybody's not like that. I never had an interaction with the police on a positive note unless we was in sports, right. you know, unless I was playing sports or something like that. I didn't know I played ball. Otherwise it was never, I was just, I'm, I'm still a black man as well. Like I still can drive down to LA. I'm black, ride down to LA and, and get pulled over for whatever. If, if that was the case, but I don't, you know, I honestly, I don't, I don't, I try to tell people like to just have an open mind, you know, have an open mind to be open to that person's thoughts and opinions. They may not, have the same thoughts and opinions as you. They might not have the same beliefs as you. You know what I'm saying? But you have to respect it. You should respect it. I don't get mad at somebody who tells me like they're trying that they are going to look for people to arrest today. That they are being proactive. It's nothing wrong with being a proactive police officer. That's good because you're stopping a crime before it it happens. You're trying to take guns off the street. That's good. That's nothing wrong with it. Everybody's not a proactive police officer. I don't get mad at the police officer that wants to sit back behind the bench, behind the, the, the facility, and just sit there all day and only answer calls for service. I don't get mad at that person either because everybody has their own experience. You can't get mad at somebody when you call the police for help and then you, you expect for them to come out and be like a superhero or something. They're normal human beings. Mm. Normal human beings, they get scared, they get afraid as well. Yes, you're trained. Yes, we're trained professionals, 100%. But it's not like you're doing that training all day. You can't train somebody attacking you with a knife. You can't train somebody pulling out a gun and shooting a gun at you. You can't train for those experiences. So when that type of stuff happens, based on that person's experiences of their life, will determine if they're going to pull the weapon out, if they're going to do this or do that. Yeah. You know, me, if somebody has a knife that's 5'4", 140 pounds, I don't feel like I have to shoot them. You know, I don't feel like, I don't feel that as a threat. But what if it's a girl who's five, six? You know, what if it's, what if it's a guy who's never been in an altercation before and he's never seen nothing like this before? You know, he's a police officer, but it doesn't mean that he's seen somebody with a knife attacking him. That doesn't mean he's seen a dead body before. So, like, you can't, you can't expect for, like, you can't Monday morning quarterback it. Like, oh, I would have did this. Like, yeah. you don't know the true experiences. And, I, and the number one thing I would like for people to do is if you see something on social media, just go look it up. If you see something on social media, just don't take that little clip for yeah. everything, for everything in the world. Don't take yeah. that clip for that. Like, go look up and do some research and then post something and then say something. Mm. You know, because a lot of times, even my friends and stuff like that, I see them posting something and I challenge them. You know, I would challenge them. Like, what do you know about this? You know, because I just want to hear what, why are your thoughts like this? What do you know? Tell me the details on this. You know, did you go look up this case? Because after every after every shooting or something like that happens, after the case has been done, they will put out the information. They will put it out to the public. All you have to do is look it up. 
but people are just look at social media and base everything off of social media posts and think that every single officer is like that. And and like I to be honest with you, I really don't have too many issues, you know, because my friends, my family, and people know like like this T camp, you know, like damn, this still T camp, like this yeah. still him, like he the same, he ain't changed, and it gave people a different outlook, like damn, like you to be the police and they accept you. You know, like, damn, I got some, I got another one of my football buddies that I played in Canada with that played at Washington State. He's in the academy right now, mm-hmm. you know, and that's because I told him about it. And I told him, like, come do this job because it is a great job. It's a great job with great benefits. And a lot of times guys just, I, I, I try to express to, you know, my former teammates and, you know, the young players coming up, like, this is just like playing football. It's a team sport. You come in every I, – I roll out of bed in the morning at 5.30, just like I'm going to football practice. I put on my flip-flops, walk out of – brush my teeth, walk out of the door, just like I'm going to football practice, jump in my car, pull up to the facility, walk into the building, put on my uniform, just like I'm going to football practice. Except for now it's game day because every right. day is real. You know, so now it's game day. Every day I walk out, it's game day, and I'm going to perform. I'm going – I get to go help people. I'm working with teammates as a team to accomplish one goal to keep the community safe and to make sure that we all come home safe at the end of the day, yeah. you know, and, and you're dealing with different cultures, different, um, different backgrounds. You work to achieve accomplishment. You work to achieve goals, just like in football. Mm-hmm. We want to achieve the goal. We want accomplishments. Same thing here. You can move up just like in football. You can move up the depth chart, you know? So it's, it's very similar. And I, and I would just like to see, you know, the, the more people that we have do it, that are from the community and and wish they wish to help. The, if we get more people from that community or from that area that want to help and become police officers, like it will be good. Now you now you can have an impact. But you standing out there yelling at me, calling me n word, and saying that I traded on you and I'm a trader. Like what is what is, what do you what do you want? Like what do you want? Like, do you want do you want more more people of color to become officers, to become get in position of power, or do you want to just be patrolled by all 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 white people? You know, like it's what do you want? Like I'm trying, like it's so confusing. Like people get so mad and so angry when they see me out there, but you know, patrolling and stuff, and call me all these names and stuff. It doesn't bother me. You know, it doesn't. I try to tell them. I try to be like, can I talk to you? If I can talk to you and express to you, I think your opinion will change. Yeah. You know, but if you won't let me talk, if you're just gonna be, you know, foolish, a dummy, if you're just gonna be yelling and screaming and calling me all kinds of names and words and don't want to hear my side of the story, then you know we we'll never accomplish nothing here. You know what I'm saying? We just, we just, we just hear you just hear yelling. So, you know that that I feel I feel great doing it. I love doing this job. I plan on doing it for the next 20 years and encouraging other people to do it and, you know, and, and, and trying to move up and do more, do more for this community, do more for my community back home. You know, I just plan on just trying to just continue to do more, do more for South Carolina. Maybe I can come back to South Carolina and be a chief of police. Who knows? Mm-hmm. You just never know what guy I have in store. The only thing I do know is that you just got to have an open mind, got to work hard, just keep pushing. Yeah, James, very well said. Very well said. I, I want to move before we get you out of here for sure, move back to the Gamecock football side of things because right now, obviously, a lot is swirling. The coaching search rages on. Obviously, South kind of moving on from Will Muschamp. And I, I more so want to get your take on 
you know, Shane Beamer is one of the names that's very popular right now. And Shane, the guy that was at South Carolina when you were there. And so I'm sure you know him very, very well. But he, he is a guy that is a very popular name right now. And like we were talking a little bit off air, you know, when you're getting the endorsements he's getting from Marcus Lattimore, DJ Swearinger, Melvin Ingram, Devontae Holloman, Pat DeMarco, Steven Garcia. I mean, the names just keep going down. Some of the best yeah. ever wear the garnet in black. It's hard to ignore. But I want to ask you about your thoughts on Shane Beamer just as a person, as a coach, what you remember from him, and also just ask you, you know, I'm not sure how much Gamecock football you, you watch now or have watched recently, but are there any specific things that you want to see from the next football coach? Because I've had a lot of your former teammates on, some of the best Gamecocks ever. You know, the interview I did with DJ Swearinger was, was very well publicized, and, you know, him talking about he feels like the standard has been lost, and, and you know, multiple guys have said that. So, again, I want to get your takes on Shane Beamer, and then also, are there any specifics that come to your mind, things you want to see, the qualities in the next Gamecocks at football, Coach? You know, I, I can't speak on Muschamp too much because I don't know too much about Muschamp. I, I don't know what qualities he possessed. I met him one time when I went up there to the facility. Um, Beamer, love Beamer. Beamer's a great dude, great coach. He didn't coach me personally. He was a special team coach in defense, and on the defensive side. So I really didn't have a huge contact with him, but his energy. That's what it's all about, his energy. That, that energy is amazing. That, that going and, and, and high-fiving and, and, and dapping up and jumping in the air, that's what it is these days. Mm. You know, that's what it is these days. So for me as a next head coach, you need, I, would, I would love to see somebody who's enthusiastic, who's ready to who, – who, who is – guys, these days, guys are not responding to the yelling. So the, you got to have a different outlet. Guys are not responding. Like when I was playing, you could grab my face mask. Coach Nick would grab my face mask, shake my face mask, spitting in my face with his sticky breath, yelling and screaming at me. And I, and I just, I, I want to fight him, but I accept it. And I play ball. You know, nowadays, kids going to transfer. He's going to leave school. Yeah. He's going to transfer to another school. Like, oh, I don't, they don't like me here. Like, oh, I'm going to get out of here. So that's not necessarily the route that you go, you know. You, you know, you want to try to get qualities of these coaches that are, are winning, that are doing it, that are, are, are having success. You know, look at that Dabo Swin. I remember when Dabo first got there, you know, he's freaking dancing in the middle, freaking dapping. Like, that creates an environment where kids see this. You, you're selling the program to 17-year-olds, 16-year-olds, 15-year-olds. You're selling the program to them. 18-year-olds, you're selling the program to them. And, the, and you sell a program by having fun enjoyment the coach like damn i want to go play for that coach like he he turned up like yeah. like i love his energy you know what i mean so like when you playing when you're doing it and expressing it that's that's what i think is a big thing and we need somebody who's just who's who's for the players you know who's, who 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 is there to not only see you since i'm not saying that much champ didn't do any of this because i like i said i don't know what much champ had going on up there i, I don't i do not know because I, I, I wasn't there. I haven't been talking to people, but I just know that the qualities of a coach, somebody who's energetic, somebody who whose brains that fire, that passion, someone who 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 loves the kids and loves the game. You know, that's that's big because kids see that. You know, kids gonna see if you're a phony or not. You know, you can't go to the hood and try to get this five star kid that's growing up in the hood and and you coming in there being a phony. You know, when you got somebody like Alabama coming in there presenting, hey, we can get you to the NFL, Clemson, we're going to get you there, we're going to play in the biggest game, big lights. You got to sell something different. Because yeah. that's not where we're at as a program. So you, you have to sell, you have to be able to sell basically yourself as a coach. And
and the environment that you're going to be coming in because you're not selling. You're not going to be able to sell, hey, we're going to play in the national title game this year. We're going to be in the top four rankings. Like, you're going to be playing in big front of big crowds. But you're not going to be able to sell that. That's not our selling point. So the coach has to be the selling point. The coach has to be somebody that somebody that players will want to come play for, that players will want to want to compete at the highest level for because they 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 like, damn, I love this guy. There's a guy you want to coach that after you leave, you still feel comfortable to be like to pull up, you know, to contact. You know, that's that's the type of stuff. I still talk to Coach Elliott. I wanted to perform for Coach Elliott. Mm. I wanted to. I didn't want Coach Elliott to I didn't want myself to look bad, but I know Coach Elliott would he would come, we'll be in four pads and Coach Elliott be down there in the middle getting beat up by me and Rakitis. <laughs> me and Rakitis, we'd be like, we finna smoke coach today. Like he wanna jump in the pad, he wanna jump with us, we finna bang him. Mean, he would just but that would rub off on us. Mm. You know, we would go he would make us go up and present the game plan. You know, in in the in the meeting rooms, and that stuff would rub off on us. You want to go out and play for a guy like that? You know what I'm saying? Coach Spurry, he spoke for himself. You know, he already had the resume. You know, that's reason main reason why I went because Kenny and Coach Spurry, like, yeah, hey, you want to play for the all ball coach, the gunslinging ball coach, you know, big time winning ball coach. You want to do that? You know, so to me, to turn the program around, you have to get a coach that can sell himself. And the way that he sells himself is by being enthusiastic. Because you're not selling the, you can, you can't sell the program right now. Right. You, I mean, it's not, a, you can't be like, yeah, we're gonna, you know, we're twin, what were we, twin six, twin seven, seven right now, yeah, twin seven. You're not gonna go into somebody's house this off season and talk about the twin seven football season and coming to this program to change it around. Like, no, you're gonna talk about yourself as a coach and what you're presenting and how you feel like you can come and help me as a coach change this program around. And that's why I feel like the coach is the enthusiastic coach, an energetic coach, a coach that, that is for the players would be a perfect fit. You know, somebody who's gonna have a good time, somebody who's gonna do those cookouts, somebody who's gonna, you know, just put put those things together. Coach Fred might not have came to a cookout, but he would tell me to throw a cookout. You know? Like Coach Ellen would tell me to throw a cookout. He would tell me those things. They would they would endorse fits. Um, Fitzgerald, he would mm-hmm. our strip coach. He would endorse those things. He would get us a cooler and bring drink, not <laughs> alcoholic drinks, but like freaking juices and you know sodas and stuff like that, and and just drop them off and leave. You know, like those are the types of things that make teams better. You know, so when you got coaches, I'm not saying I don't know if they was doing that on that team. I don't know. I can't say. Like I said, I haven't been. I didn't talk to that team, but I know for a fact that those things like that will, you know, make things a lot better. For sure. Well, Ter- Terrence, you've been gracious with your time. It's been an awesome conversation. Before I get you out of here, one last thing, because you mentioned Coach Spurrier. Uh, give you the opportunity to give you the floor. Any funny stories from your days at Carolina, whether it's Coach Spurrier, Coach Elliott, maybe directed at you, your teammates, like anything, maybe whether it's on-field, off-field, whatever, anything you can tell on the airwaves, it's like Coach, a Coach funny Spurs, moment. I'll out. tell you the most embarrassing moment, my most embarrassing moment, probably as a game cop. We was playing Florida. It was that year. It was like 2009 or something like that when we got really smoked up or beat up. I know Garcia was there. Garcia and who was our running back? Um, I think the running back was Lil Brian Maddox um, or was it uh, Kenny uh, Miles or? It was a he. It was the kid Mike who Davis. didn't play that. No, it was it was like a he didn't even play. I know that was all with my running back too. But it was like he was number 28. I cannot remember him. And it was like when we got really beat bad by Florida though. We got really beat. We got smoked okay. by Florida. Day. Taylor Rank. You know. Nah, Taylor? not Taylor no? Rank. 
I'm so just rattling off names right now. Was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are good names, though. Yeah. He was a black. E.B.? No, I don't know. Dang, what was his name? He was from Florida. He transferred from JUCO, I think. He was, but he was the running back at the time, right, okay. and so we ran a pitch play. We pitched it out there to him, and out, and we, this is our only chance to score. Only chance to score. Pitch it out there to him. We on the goal line. I pull around all week long. Um, the offensive line coach was I can't was I can't remember who the offensive line. It was before Sean. It was before Wolf and Sean Elliott. Okay. The one that was there at very beginning when we first gotcha, got there. Gotcha. He was like Brandon Spikes. He doesn't come downhill. Brandon Spikes is a floater. He likes to float across, yada, yada, yada. So I pull around thinking Brandon Spikes going to float. Brandon Spikes went straight downhill on me. Smoked me. Smoked me. I go flying. I go flying into, I want to say his name was E.B. I cannot think of what, I can't think of his real whole name. But I go flying into him, and he fumbles. I go flying into him. He fumbles on the goal line, and they recover it. So we get back to film that, that Monday. So Coach Brad, like, everybody watch film together. We all going to watch film together. All the – even the academic staff, we all going to watch film together. So I'm like, I'm like, fuck. I already know, like, we're going to see this play. So we get there, you know, we get to it. Coach Brad rewinds the play, like, six, seven times. He's like, TC, TC, I thought you were the player, TC. I thought you were going to be a player, TC. We, 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 you, you know, you know, TC, we recruited you to be a player. We, we, we thought you were going to be a player, TC. I mean, this fight like, – it rewinded. This right here is not a play. Everybody see this? Does everybody see? TC, what do you have to say for yourself, TC? I'm just like, I apologize to the team. Like, in front of everybody. Like, I, like I'm like, cuss man just, he does like a he freaking, he don't cuss at you or do anything like that. He just make you feel bad. He was like, he's like, I thought you was a player. You know, and that was just, that was one of the most embarrassing moments. But Coach Brad was just funny overall, man. He was a funny guy. You know, he was a real funny dude, real Real jokester, crack little jokes and stuff like that all the time, man. Um, I like, I love, I really love Coach Ray and, and Miss Jerry. You know, Miss mm-hmm. Miss Ray, she was awesome too. You know, I can't say enough about them. But yeah, that was that's my embarrassing, sad, funny. It's funny now. Yeah, you know, yeah, after yeah. but doing it, I was I was not laughing. You know, but now like Garcia, I always we was at DJ Celebrity Basketball Game in South Carolina, and Garcia sees me, and first thing he said, remember when you got smoked by B-Spike? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it just, like, good memories, good times, and laughs, you know, so. No, for sure. Hey, by the way, great Gamecock trivia question, because I found the name Eric Baker is who we were looking for. Eric Baker. Eric Baker is is. who we were looking for. So, did a little digging. Like I said, that's a a great Gamecock trivia question. Eric Baker. I I forgot about it, old, uh, old Baker, so. Yeah. Yeah, Eric Baker. Yeah. I remember E B. We used to call him E B. That's why I couldn't think of it. I kept thinking <laughs> Eric Gary. I knew it was Eric something. Yep, Eric Baker. Yep. Oh, good How stuff. you figure that out? I, I just Googled the game and he had six carries for twenty three years. He was actually the leading rusher in that game, believe it or not. I so, bet. We didn't yeah. run <laughs> three point rush rush twenty five times for a total of fifty three yards. So not a great day at the end. But that was that was a bad day for everybody. So <laughs> Yeah, that was that was that that's when President Irvin took it. 80 yards right after the second half. Yeah. First play of the second half, took 80 yards right up the middle. I was like, oh, boy. Then we had Chris <laughs> Culver out there who run a 4-2. You know, Chris Culver runs a 4-3, 4-2, yeah. and he ain't even catch him. Yeah. You know? 
Oh, that was that was yeah that was yeah those bad. those yeah. those Florida teams were built different for sure but no Terrence man I just want to say appreciate you taking the time man it's been a pleasure chatting with you I know I speak for all Gamecock fans when I say it was a pleasure obviously to watch you do what you did especially in the ten and eleven years I mean it speaks for itself but uh, and glad to obviously see you doing well obviously in San Jose what you're doing now I know you're making a uh, Gamecock Nation proud obviously I know it's been well publicized I saw the state wrote an article and I know you've done some other yeah interviews. that. Just want to say, man, thank you for what you're doing right now and obviously for the great memories of Gamecock football. And um, obviously, you'll always be remembered as a Gamecock great, man. So just genuinely appreciate you taking We're going to do it. Yeah, let's let's definitely We're do, it do it. We're going to do it more. Yeah, let's do it yeah. again soon for sure. Hey, I love South Carolina, man. I love Gamecock Nation. I love all the fans. Yeah. Huge supporter of everybody and everything that's going on there. And hopefully, you know, we come back and have a big impact on South Carolina some kind of way. And like I said, hopefully we can get some guys down there going back and just training with those guys and, you know, just talking to those guys so they just know that, you know, there's a lot of good players in the NFL mm. that came from South Carolina, you know, a lot of well-respected players that's in the NFL right now. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very happy and, you know, thank you for taking the time out to, yeah. you know, do this with me. Yeah, for sure. Well, he's Terrence Campbell. I'm Chris Fultz. We appreciate you guys tuning in and we'll catch you next time with an episode of the Spurs Up Show.